in a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend. This is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. There is a town upstate, two days' journey to the north in the Hudson Highlands. It is a place called Sleepy Hollow. Have you heard of it? I have not. An isolated farming community, mainly Dutch. Three persons have been murdered there, all within a fortnight. Each one found with the head lopped off. Lopped off? clean as dandelion heads, apparently. You will take these experimentations of yours to Sleepy Hollow, and there you will detect the murderer. Bring him here to face our good justice. Will you do this? I shall. Remember, it is you, Ichabod Crane, who is now put to the test sounds like a nice weekend retreat maybe except for the decapitations what was it uh jonathan lipnicki taught us that the human head weighs eight pounds well who couldn't stand to lose eight pounds after putting on some covid weight on second thought sign me up <laughs> greetings lookers welcome to this edition of i'll look at yours if you look at mine the podcast that's one part movie discussion one part game show where we never know what we're watching next. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at RedHenMedia1. Look for that red hen icon. And our theme for Series 5 is Osktoberfest, our daily double mashup of Oscar winners and Halloween. And today we'll be discussing Sleepy Hollow 1999 which is a fantasy horror mystery feature film currently streaming on Stars. Headless? Yes. Boobless? Well, let's just say that I've seen less cleavage at a Renaissance fair. This is the puritanical early America that we all know and love. Uh, please register any complaints to the costume designer, Colleen Atwood. And I'm here today with my distinguished co-host, who are likely talking behind my back. So let's join their conversation already in progress. Hey, gang. Hey, hey what's up? With us today, the provocative one, Mr. Devin Schwartz. The game is on. Indeed it is. And my good friend, the incendiary James Pepe. Hey, everybody, it's me, James, and I would say that this hollow was not very sleepy. Oh! <laughs> <Hello>. hey <laughs> I don't have the drum roll up, but uh, that would have been a good call for it. Uh, and the irrepressible gentleman, Jim Scott. Hey, Jim. Hey, and greetings, gentle listeners and friends. Greetings, indeed. I'm looking forward to discussing a very Halloween-ish movie tonight. Uh, but before that, we have uh, a little something we call The Rundown. 
and I'm going to take my time to get the chapters right this time. When did you need that rundown by? As soon as possible. Okay. Just get it right. Yeah, gotcha. Of course. I'm going to dive in to the rundown. I'll be exhausted because it's like a triathlon. Did you want to close this? Our boss, Charles Miner, just demanded a rundown and... Jim from the office just handed the dossier to our very own Devin. So what do you have for us today on Sleepy Hollow, Devin? Yeah, so Sleepy Hollow is a 1999 film uh, starring Johnny Depp, directed by Tim Burton, uh, written based on the writings of Washington Irving. The uh, screenplay was written by Kevin Yeager um, and Andrew Kevin Walker. To Kevin's. Um, it is uh, a gothic, um, I don't know if you'd call it horror necessarily, basically just a gothic film. I think it, it lands pretty firmly in there. Um, about Ichabod Crane, who is sent to Sleepy Hollow to investigate the decapitations of three people, with the culprit being the legendary apparition, the Headless Horseman. Some uh, awards, obviously. It has won an Oscar. It won for Best Art Direction slash Set Direction for Rick Heinrichs and Peter Young. Ring it um, up. It was also nominated in that same Oscars for Best Cinematography and Costume Design. Makes sense. It won, a, won two BAFTAs for Best Production and Best Costume. Um, and uh, Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror, which I know we've mentioned before, Best Actress, uh, Christina Ricci, and Best Music, Danny Elfman. So, Wait, yeah. did she win Best Actress? Yeah, at the BAFTA, the, sorry, not the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. Huh. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, she looked I don't know how big, in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how big that award is. I just know we've mentioned it before because IMDb happens to rank it pretty high on the list of awards. So. If I've I heard know. of it, it's um, probably big because I don't really follow award shows too much. Yeah, um, I think Danny Elfman definitely deserved that win. I think the music in this was was oh, good, yeah. but uh, we're not judging it. We're not judging it just yet. This um this American made movie uh, set in America sure was a who's who of British actors. <laughs> There's just so oh many. You got God, Michael Michael Gambon in there, Richard Griffiths, uh, oh. Ian McDermott, um, Michael Goff, uh, Kristen Christopher Lee was in it for like four and a half seconds. Like you know, just all kinds of uh, British actors in this yeah. Dutch village. Um, if, I might, if I might, if I might, those that don't know, Michael Gambon is Dumbledore from Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, you have, mm -hmm. uh, and then American actor, you have Casper Van Dien, uh, who played Brom, who got cut in half. Uh, he was Johnny Rico from Starship Troopers. Um, right. Alfred Pennyfeather from Batman 89, uh, Michael Go or Gao or Goff. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, and as you said, Christopher Lee, Saruman, Count Dooku. Ian McDermott, who is obviously Emperor Palpatine. Um, and Richard Griffiths is Uncle Vernon from Harry Potter. Yep. So just piece. to name a few. And you got Ed, Ed Rooney in there, who's a usual suspect. Uh, Jeffrey Rush. Uh, and then, of course, Christopher Walken. Uh, notably from the yeah. I Need More Cowbell sketch of SNL fame. Of course. Yeah. His most that. known That's what role. he's known for. Yeah. That is. Um. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> There's some interesting trivia for this one. Um, some wholesome stuff to start out. Johnny Depp adopted Goldeneye, the horse that played Gunpowder, um, oh, after wow. after finding out that the film production was going to put him down after the filming. Uh, so he adopted him to save his life. Yeah, it's like, why would they do that? But also good on Johnny Depp for saving him. And also yeah. great name, Goldeneye. Come on, how do you get him to let that yeah, get totally. 
Um, it was only after being cast as the Headless Horseman that Christopher Walken admitted he had never ridden a horse. Oh, um, no. <laughs> luckily, Yikes. he doesn't have to ride a horse for too long. And it's played that card close to his whoever the stuntman was during yeah. casting, right? Yeah, totally. I imagine they, um, they figured it out. Johnny Depp did all of his own stunts in the scene where he's being dragged by a number of horses. He gets dragged by like every horse in that scene at some point um, and uh, did all his own stunts. Uh, he Johnny Depp also found the idea of uh, his love, love interest being Christina Ritchie weird because they've been friends since they were nine years old. Um, they're lifelong friends, so he thought it was a little weird at first. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, also, exactly. I, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall. I bet he got over it. Well, she looked gorgeous in this. Um, I'd love to be yeah. a fly on the wall uh, when uh, Johnny Depp was pitching the do my own stunts thing uh, to uh, Tim Burton. Yeah. I mean, he'll let he'll let Johnny Depp do fucking anything. He, Tim Burton loves Johnny Depp. Yeah, um, he's probably, yeah whatever, the, go for it. We got which leads me to the you. next one. Uh, Ichabod Crane is supposed to be very unattractive in the uh, original text, and Johnny Depp offered to wear prosthetics to make himself more unattractive, but Tim Burton was like, no, 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 you keep your beautiful face in the film. Tim Burton refused to let him do it. Um, You're so just the right they, amount of unattractive. <laughs> yeah. Instead, they said they played up his unattractive personality traits, like his squeamishness and eccentricity, which is like, eh, it kind of seems like a stretch, but sure. Yeah, whatever. Um, and one last factoid. The uh, at the about the 57 minute mark in the battle between um, that guy, what's his name? Uh, Brom Van Brunt, yeah, Brom. uh, Cast, Casper's character, yeah, and the headless horseman. Um, he Casper Van Dien actually breaks his one of his fingers in that fight, Ooh. and he pulls a he pulls a, a Leonardo DiCaprio and doesn't say anything and lets the filming keep happening because he doesn't want his part to get cut short, so he just lets it go. So it's less of an integrity thing, like it was with. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and more of like he really wanted his whole scene to be in the movie. Well, Leo was after uh, that statue still, so um, <laughs> true, yeah. So he had his. He was willing to they believe both for had it. Similar motivations for different reasons. Yeah, true. True. Casper was, that, was just was that when um, was that when he allowed himself to be mauled by that bear? No, we're talking oh, about. Really when he cut his, I think we're talking about when he cut his hand. Yeah. Django uh, he slammed his hand down and Django and chained and cut it terribly. Yeah. Um, oh, there's one more. Sorry, I know I said last one. Uh, the filming of this um, movie was moved like a ton of places. They wanted to film in New York in the actual Hudson Valley. Um, couldn't find a place. Moved uh, further out to like old, you know, Pennsylvania Dutch towns and stuff, colonial towns. Couldn't find a place. And so Tim Burton recommended Britain where he had just filmed Batman. Um, which I didn't even know Batman was filmed entirely in Britain. Oh. Um, yeah, which which kind of makes sense because his version of Gotham was very like, you know, a lot of bricks and stuff. And you probably wouldn't be able to find that in America. Uh, and uh, they moved it there and actually built their set like a few days after the Phantom Menace be uh, stopped filming or, or, or stopped using the same studio. They were in the same studio as the Phantom Menace was being filmed in like Timing days before. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So I found that huge London sound stages they got there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, apparently that Tree of the Dead set was gigantic. It was like on their biggest sound stage. Oh, that was a sound stage. Damn, that is. Big. Yeah. A lot of this was sound stages. Yeah. Yeah. Almost all of it they had to build. Indeed, sir. Hmm. Well, good stuff. Thank you for that lovely rundown. Um, OK, so uh, we do need to figure out who done it. But first, let's check what's in the news. Starting with Devin. A <laughs> uh, New York man invents forensic science, sends heads spinning. 
Nice. That was good. Yeah. All right. All right. Pepe, what do you got? Oh yeah, so rip from rip from the headlines. Mm-hmm. Women strangely attracted to man despite reports of his icky bod. <laughs> oh, good, good man! You guys uh, are clever. Describe. Wow. Okay. And Jim, something was just handed to you. Yeah. So front page headlines. This one, I just seen a town in perpetual fright summons confrontational therapy but wannabe sherlock holmes foils by sleuthing the supernatural that is a front page wow, wow. i'll buy that for a <laughs> uh, nickel which is like a week's wage back then i guess <laughs> if you're a newsie it is yeah exactly oh i was in my previous previous life <laughs> it was uh Hearst, Newsy, and then uh, what would be before that? The Headless Horseman. All right, don't lose your heads. I know that joke was bad. <laughs> we'll, we'll put the laugh, laughter in post. Oh, good idea. Maybe get, <laughs> the laugh, maybe track. Get a laugh track. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I laugh do track. have a laugh track sound effect. I got to get that going. I, All right, I think okay. I know why oh. they... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was just, no, just going to okay. say it was a response to what uh, Devin was narrating about this movie i think i know why they uh had a lot of british act- actors because uh the sleepy hollow was so dreary and you know dark staying indoors they need a lot of pasty faces so you know they did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like dreary and dark well, let's go with british people <laughs> also it's easier to find british people when you're in england the place is lousy with yeah. them <laughs> <laughs> <True>. <laughs> yeah big cast big cast um, yeah, good. Good speaking actors. Speaking of big cast, there's a lot of suspects. Let's figure out who done it. Who done it? We have reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. Winner with the most correct guesses at the end of the series will win a Who Dundee award. Uh, okay, so Jim. As our reigning Who Dundee champ, you get to guess first. Who done it? Um, sure. So I, I've been thinking about this the last couple of days, and if you hadn't already been picked, I would think you, Ben, just because of the interesting cinematography. Um, it makes sense uh, that there was a lot of sound stages in, involved because it had that otherworldly quality in a lot of the scenes. And you can definitely conjure that up in a sound stage, I would imagine. I don't know for sure. Um, but you're picked. So I thought either Devin or Kat, because I feel like this would be their version of both an Oscar winner and a Halloweeny tale. Um, I think Kat would pick something different. So uh, I am hope I'm right. Devin, pick Devin. Okay, locked it in with Devin. Um, and I am going to go with you, Jim, because uh, you're my red herring. I don't really have a lot of logic behind it uh, other than uh, I'm sticking with uh, what's been working uh, for me before. So I think Jim done it. But uh, Devin, what do you think? I think this was Jim as well. This is a very gothic film, um, which I know Jim is into. And I think that it's, you know, it's a slightly less populous kind of choice in a in a 
genre in a, in a category that is very popular because you're all Oscar winners. Um, I, I feel like this film isn't talked about very much. It's more of a cult hit, but I wasn't around when it came out. So I, don't, I was a four year old. So I don't know. Maybe it was a huge hit. Maybe it was a blockbuster and I just don't I wasn't around. But it feels more like a cult film, like something that Jim might be more into than most. So, yeah, Jim is my pick. Um, yeah, I think it got a pretty good audience review. It got like an I think I looked in. Uh, did you you might have mentioned this, uh, but I think it got like an 80 percent audience and then a 69 uh, critical. Uh Forgive me for being juvenile. 69. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah. And uh, so it didn't do too. I think it did OK in the theaters. Tim Burton was definitely a big name at the time, and he had his whole crew uh-huh. of aces in on this. I don't know how it did on the box office uh, specifically, though. I do not remember uh, if anyone else does chime in. But uh, OK, so that's two for Jim, one for Devin. Uh, Pepe, who done it? I'm going to guess Jim also. Um... I could see this. I can see this being pretty much anybody, to be honest. Um, but Jim has talked a lot about how he likes gothic horror, and this is exactly that. So I'm going to guess Jim. Oh, there you go. Well, that that's sound. Um, and have we heard from uh, our uh, absent cat? Uh, yeah, actually, I just received her response. Oh, this just in. Cat has a guess. Nice. Uh, she says this is a total gym movie, and that's all she has to say about that. Those are exact wow. words. <laughs> OK. Um, all right. So everyone voted for Jim except for Jim. Uh, so I guess we have to ask you a question, Jim. Did you done it? Yeah, it was me. That is correct. Yay. I get a we point. We did it. Everyone gets a point. <laughs> yeah. awesome. Pepe. Uh, you're on the board. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah exactly everyone's on the board we're only only two in so you know you're on track anybody's game anybody's game yep that's right and uh osktoberfest is a tricky series oh devin's done he got on the board (laughs) (laughs) all right now that we know who done it it's time to ask why done it all right jim how'd you come up with sleepy hollow Yeah, so I wanted to, you know, both uh, hit both themes. You know, we want to do Halloween. We want to do an Oscar. Um, So I was thinking Dracula. I get confused between Academy Awards and Oscars because I keep, you know, sometimes I intertwine the two. So I had to look up on the list and I think, but I could be wrong. I think Dracula was on there, too. Uh, we had already done a uh, 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 more modern Dracula, so I didn't want to go in that direction. So Sleepy Hollow was definitely straight Halloween. And you guys are right. Um, I do like gothic horror. Um, I don't think we've had a really gothic horror movie on here yet. And it is a different type of horror. It's more, you know, subtle. Um, it plays with mood and, and atmosphere. Um, and uh, the protagonist usually is not larger than life. They have um, some weaknesses, and those weaknesses are exploited. They're often isolated, whether that be a psychological isolation, like in this case, because he was an outsider coming into a mm-hmm. village where everyone knew each other and was lit- literally and figuratively intertwined you know as we've seen throughout the movie um 
And Tim Burton's a hell of a director, you know. He's great at conjuring up these uh, fantastic uh, sets or animation or whatever he puts his, his hands on. And I, I definitely, you know, was a young adult when he was like his star was really rising. Yeah. And I enjoy his movies. So and this is a good selection of his. Yeah, I did, too. And uh, I remember having seen this once way back when it came out uh, in the long, long ago in the before time. And um, I, I was kind of lukewarm on it. Um, I, I think I just rather uh, remember being kind of ambivalent. Um, but I think that looking back, I think it's because I like really liked the Disney animated version. Um, and I was right. kind of like mad that it wasn't more like that. But uh, upon watching it this time, I figured I thought it was a pretty good, solid movie and a, a good turn for uh, Burton and, and co. All his, uh, yeah. like I said, usual suspects. Um, so I was actually it was almost like I watched it for the first time because I remembered like next to nothing about it. Uh, and I had nice. a good time with this one. But uh, let's start with who's seen it. Obviously, uh, Jim's seen it. I've seen it. Have you guys both seen this one before? I don't think I had I, it sounded familiar well like when when we first announced it i was like i feel like a long time ago i saw that but watching it i didn't remember any of it at all so i don't think i actually watched it yeah i don't remember if i'd seen it or not either so it's kind of a new viewing for all three of us i i wonder if cat yeah. has seen it uh, but we'll find out we have her cat's corner video for for later and she can get her word in then Oh, well, maybe we should put it on now. Do you want to kick it off with uh, Cat's Corner, actually, since she's not here? Why Give not? Her the first word. Yeah. All right, let's see if I can make this work. Uh, okay, so I have to do this. And <laughs> let's cue it up. Real quick, Jim, I hate to break this to you, but the uh, the Academy Awards and Oscars are the same thing. That's why you get, <laughs> that's why you get them confused. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank the Oscars you. is just a nickname. Ask. Why don't they just yeah. call it the same thing, then? <laughs> It's a silly nickname. I don't know. Yeah, That's I mean, good like, question. Why? I'm Google that why? <laughs> I name your your two bad guys Sauron and Saruman. They're just so similar. I just <laughs> name them something different. And all that from a linguist too. Jeez. I know, right? All right, let's see what Cat has to say about this one. I have to cut her off before she grades it, though. I'll, I'll try my best here. So my thoughts on this movie, uh, first off, I want to say that I love Tim Burton films. I enjoy all things weird and gothic and Johnny Depp really knows how to do both very well. Um, that being said, this movie reminds me of the kind of movies I probably would have really enjoyed when I was young, but I kind of find cringy now. Um, this was the first time I've ever watched this movie entirely, so it doesn't really have that nostalgic aspect for me as it may have had for other viewers who originally saw it on its release date. Um, but I do feel like I almost can't appreciate older movies anymore when I compare them to what I would define as a good movie nowadays. And that's kind of where I'm at with this movie. I was definitely laughing at moments that weren't really meant to be humorous. Maybe it was the effects or the bad wigs or the cheesy script writing or all of the above. Um, I'm not really sure, but I will say Jeez. that I do understand um, why people find this movie charming and why people would enjoy this, this film. Um, I can also understand why one in art direction that year, it was for sure theatric, just not in a way I personally found was done well. Um, but that being said, I was definitely entertained throughout this entire movie. And at the end of it all, that's what most movies are meant to do. So, uh, yeah, for those reasons, I'm. We'll stop her right there and find out a grade later. 
Mm-hmm. For that reason, dot, 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 we'll get back to you. Um, now let me get back to us. Well, everyone gets to see the outline. I'll have to edit that out. There we are. I'm bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I'll get we better. We keep you around for your good looks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, so Kat kicked it off with, uh, I have questions, so I really wish she was here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Naturally. Do you guys want to tear um, apart what she said, or or do you want to move well, on to something else? Before before if we are if there is tearing apart to be done, I want to agree with Cat here to an extent. I do kind of feel the same way that this is one of those older films where like I can recognize how impressive it would have been at the time, but now it's like the the fact that I'm recognizing that is pulling me out of it, and you know it just kind of is hard to appreciate you know, not having seen it at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the whole thing to me kind of felt like a stage play in, in many of the ways that that is good and bad, where it's like, yeah. it, it was, it was very good production value. And like, you know, obviously the sets were amazing. That's why I won the award. Um, but at the same time, it was very like overdramatic and I felt kind of overacted. And like, it was, it was in a way that if I was watching it on a stage, I think it would make a lot more sense than as a film. It did feel to me very uh, stage play-ish. Um, mm-hmm. But I, th- I think maybe some of that stuff might have even bothered me the first time I watched it. But I'll tell you, I just kind of checked out on that and just went along for the ride and had a lot of fun with this one, to be honest. Uh, and I liked the twists and turns in the story. And um, I think that the kind of over-the-top acting in certain ways just lended itself to the overall style uh, that they were going for and just kind of worked for me. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, it was just kind of a fun romp for me and, um, man, the gore and the effects and the horror elements, uh, really worked for me as well. My guess is that she's talking about, well, the things that I found like that I might describe as like cringy is that like Christina Ricci was pretty well like damseled in this movie and she was constantly just like this wilting flower, just like fainting. But so was Johnny Depp, kinda. Uh-huh. Um, but again, that's like right. That's but like that's like a product of the time in which this was written, or like harking back to like I don't think I, I think the 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 Tim Burton's tongue was like firmly planted in his cheek when he was like doing that shit. Um, but that would be my guess as to what she might be referring to. Um, I think probably yeah. she she tends to i don't want to put words in her mouth but she does tend to since she comes from a different generation than three of us um she she tends to see things looking back in a different way than we did coming through it and out of it if that Uh makes any sense yeah you guys found the the acting to be like a little over the top i mean johnny depp is kind of an over-the-top actor but i mean i just and tim burton is a very stylized director and likes uh, you know, very stylized um, production. Uh, oh, what's the word? Uh, he goes for uh, formalism, right? Uh, the kind of like almost German expressionist stuff. And that is all kind of over the top and stagey feeling. So I think that when the actors bring in these kind of big performances, that it, it just kind of matches the background. I think if it was like, if they held back and, and were more subdued, that it would be kind of, it would stick out even more, I think. Yeah, I think it would be a little boring. 
for me, it was mostly the stuff between Johnny Depp and, and Christina Ricci's characters. Just the like mm. the romance stuff was very like sappy and like, uh, I don't know, it, like it felt so over the top in a way that was like it, it didn't feel on purpose. It just felt like, like there was no chemistry I don't know. There. Let's, let's <laughs> yeah, just say that. that. Was, yeah. Um, as, as pretty as she looked in her costumes and all that. Um, there was there really wasn't any chemistry between the two of them and that and i guess no finding i'm not surprised i found out that we found out that they were friends or whatever when in your uh rundown um because yeah it seemed more like more like that kind of uh relationship between the two of them i i think with a with a tim burton johnny depp character you really need a like uh, if you were going to put him in a romantic subplot it needs to be with someone who is like more energetic than him and she was so like drab she like matched his level of kind of like subdued sort of gothic you know quietness and it felt very weird like you compare this to sweeney todd which is one of my favorite movies spoiler mm -hmm. if that comes up in a future series but you put him next Making to helena bottom carter's character and helena bottom carter's character is like bubbly and like over the top and like energetic in that movie um very different than a lot of her characters and like plays well off of his basically carbon copy of this character that's just sort of a drab gothic guy you know very meek and quiet and like it, it works and here i just it didn't wasn't a good counterpart isn't helena bonham carter married to tim burton was yeah they divorced oh, did they divorce? oh okay yeah well yeah anyway uh it makes sense that they were a couple actually because she is like the human epitome of his style almost and as far as yeah. like, acting goes just yeah, very big, and uh, she would play off of uh, Johnny Depp very well, uh, and has, I think. Absolutely. Um, let's go to a clip. Also, uh, I want to give it up to Christopher Lee in that uh, that uh, kind of appetizer opening. Uh, he played the. Uh, what do they call it? A burgermeister? A burgermeister? Some kind of like burgermeister? Yeah, burgermeister. Yeah. What do you mm -hmm. know? What that was? I've heard that term before. It's a German word. It sounds like. Uh, Is that what you call it? Something. Burgermeister. Say it again, Jim. Burgermeister. Burgo. Yeah. I know. I thought burger too. Bur I guess I'm hungry. The, Burgo. The mayor of a Dutch, Flemish, German, Austrian, or Swiss town. Thank you. Specifically. So he has no purpose in New York. It doesn't make any sense that he's in New York. He just like sounds cool. He wouldn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot that they were in New York. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that's definitely not a New York thing. I've, I've seen that used in other like, things that were in Europe, but I've never heard that term uh, in an American uh, could it, venue. <laughs> Would anyone have complained if this movie was just took place in Britain? Like, I, I don't think anyone would have cared. Like, except the die-hard, Sleepy Hollow fans. Like, well, yeah, it's, Ameri it it, it's an American folklore. Yeah, but yeah, like they, they could just move it. I mean, they changed a lot of other stuff. They could have just <laughs> changed that. You know? I mean, I probably yeah, I mean, wouldn't have noticed too much. I, I, you know, what I did notice though um, was that uh, the American actors kept slipping in and out of uh, British accents throughout the movie. Yeah, that was weird. Oh, did they? Yeah, like choose an accent, guys. Come on. Yeah, it was a, a little bit, a little bit. There was a kind of like um, aristocratic American accent that kind of sounded Britishy at the time, though. So I kind of forgive him. But I mean, if you're gonna go one way or the other, just stick to one, maybe. But uh, right. oh, I mean, the the movie takes place in the late 1700s, right? So mm -hmm. it would make sense that a lot of even the American people would have British accents. 
Yeah, I guess the the thing I that bothered me was like choose one or the other. Don't like give me one line yeah, right. kind of a Britishy accent, and the next line you sound like uh, modern day, you know, nineteen nineties American. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I wonder if, because it was set in the seventeen hundreds, if they had variations, like having a Burgomeister now would be like, oh, that's just weird. But during yeah. the time where they had you know cultural reflections. And whole towns of like Germanic, Ger German, that's and a, Irish, and that type of thing question. that they might have, you know, things like that, you know. Something to Google. Uh, I'll go to. Yeah. I'll give. I'll give uh, Devin a chance to Google that. And we'll go to this nice clip that introduces <laughs> the horseman lore. The horseman was a Hessian mercenary sent to these shores by German princes to keep Americans under the yoke of England, but unlike his compatriots who came for money. The horsemen came for love of carnage. When battle was joined, there you'd find him. He rode a giant black steed named Daredevil. He was infamous for riding his horse hard into battle, chopping off heads at full gallop. He'd filed his teeth down to sharp points to add to the ferocity of his appearance. This butcher didn't finally reach his end until the winter of 79. Not far from here, in our western woods. Christopher Walken was uh, pretty badass looking uh, when he did have his head on. Um, yeah, he was also yeah. previously in a Tim Burton movie. Who's in the the second Batman movie that he did as a very interesting character? Uh, if you guys remember that one at all, the one with the penguin in it. Um, yeah, I remember that. I don't remember Christopher Walken. Yeah, what character was he? Yeah. Ooh, another one to Google. Uh, he. Oh, did, <laughs> okay. did, did, by the way, did you find out anything about the Burgo Meister or whatever? Yeah. So there was a period in uh, the 1600s, 1650s when uh, New York was still referred to as New Netherland, that it was uh, ruled by the worshipful court of the Schout Burgomasters and Schippens. Boom. And at that time, Burgomasters were administrators um, in the city. But that was like 150 years before this movie takes place. So, 150 um, years. Uh, Just fudge it, right? Yeah. Do you think, um, do you think Christopher Walken didn't have any lines in this movie because he couldn't talk with those like prosthetic teeth in? maybe i mean they probably could have just done adr but um yeah maybe. oh yeah i guess that's true like they did with the uh well, they might have done in uh in november which i oh, suspect yeah. they did because that one lady just had the the teeth that just i just can't imagine <laughs> how talking that. christopher walken's character in batman returns is named and this is not a joke max shrek yeah max, max shrek. shrek yeah he was oh, the man. maximum shrek that's right. Better than the regular Shrek. Um, he was actually really good Jeez. at that. Uh, and Tim Burton, uh, let's just talk about Batman now, because why not? Uh, they fired him from the Batman franchise for making that movie too dark because they, you know, I don't know, Devin, I don't know that you were around at this time, but oh boy, they just tied every movie in with uh, McDonald's toys and cups and everything and, and all that stuff, and they just couldn't make it... Uh, palatable to for a, like a family uh commercial setting uh because he just went real dark with that movie but i really like 
uh, the second Batman movie. And yeah, marketing. They... Marketing always gets in the way, man. You know, art comes first. <laughs> he was literally fired because it was harder to market to to a family audience. But uh, it was. Do you mean maybe like dark the, in, one of the better Batman movies? Do you mean dark in tone or dark in like actual like palette? Probably both, but the tone I think is what got him fired. He like the penguin was like barfing up black blood and like this mm-hmm. is yeah. the one that I sticks out that. in my mind. I'm just going off oh, memory. Man. But yeah. uh, and had the flipper hands and, and such and uh, and they just kind of like, yeah, I think it was just they were worried about how to market it and sell merchandise, basically. So, so funny, go. man, which was like nowadays, like Batman is just like maximum edgelord fucking nonsense. Uh-huh. So funny. Yeah, we've gone completely in the opposite direction. Um, and so, oh, man, my memory is failing me here, but uh, I think they're trying to get burton back involved with some superhero franchise maybe it's marvel though nice yeah it needs a darker tone a more grittier tone make make it closer to like dc or the the boys you know in the tone well if they do we know that he'll get daredevil involved because the horse in this was named daredevil so it's just kind of like you know (laughs) symbolic of how he'll actually finally bring daredevil in and hopefully uh mephisto do you guys do you guys like Tim Burton? Like do you do you like his like style and aesthetic? Mm-hmm. Um, I like nineties Tim Burton. He holds a place in my heart very similar to like M. Night Shyamalan, where it's like like one in eight is like a big there hit. Like I love it. And it's like all the rest, nah, I could take a leave. But it's like right. there's there's always a nugget in there that's like that's a pretty good movie. I don't know. Edward Scissor's hands was really good, mm-hmm. Beetlejuice was really good, Nightmare Before Excellent. Christmas. He's had a lot of hits. Yep. It's fair, yeah. But, you're, but I you're think a lot of people forget about. Yeah, and I think a lot of people forget about the movies that didn't hit good. Like he has some movies that have definitely, like you know, struck a chord with people. But like, you know, no one talks about Dark Shadows anymore. And like that was an awful I movie. And, I I really yeah. didn't like his remakes that he did. Um, Alice uh-huh. in Wonderland. I just I don't really remember yeah, it. I don't. Remember I can see it. that. It was just like, and then kind of his, and then uh, what was the other one? Oh, uh, uh, Charlie uh, Willy Wonka. Factory. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, they're going to do that again. Speaking on that, I Another just one. saw it. And it's the guy from Dune, Timothy, yeah. Timothy Chalamet. I'm like, why? Why he would they do that like again? Johnny Depp in a way, yeah. like he's kind of build or whatever uh, kind of looks like him. So like, why are they doing that again? Um, yeah, that that instantly I kind of cringed when I saw a picture from that production. Yeah, he, he also made the 2001 Planet of the Apes remake. I don't know if that I don't think that one was well <laughs> yeah. regarded. That was that was, that was a pretty either. with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, I yeah. remember being thoroughly disappointed that was with bad. that one. And, Did uh, Mars attacks too? I didn't. Re- I don't. Re- I didn't remember huh. that. I didn't know that. That was kind of funny, but uh, okay. I didn't know he directed that one, but it makes sense. I think his style ended up becoming bigger than him or something like that yeah, or right. just like it kind of overwhelmed everything else and i think he would do well to back away from the formalist expressionist thing and, and mm. do other uh another you know he did though he did big fish which i really liked i don't know what year that came out with that came out but i think that might have been also a 90s movie and that, that was 03 it was 03 okay so that was that was good. I'm, it's too bad he almost didn't kind of go in that direction. But uh, well, he did. He did Ed Wood too. Uh-huh. Oh, Ed Wood was really great. That was in '94. That was maybe my favorite of all. That's the one I still think about often, and I hope we get a chance to watch that at some point. 
uh, here. So put that in your pocket. If that ever gets put in, it's probably me. I'm looking at his IMDb page, and on his director credits, at the very top, it says Beetlejuice 2 announced. Oh, it's wow. Just, oh, no. That was Why? announced a while ago, I think. Mm. But yeah. First time hearing got it. it. They got to resurrect everything. I have heard of it. Yeah, I am skeptical. Is he you looking know, the, for a comeback? I, I don't know. What what, are, what has he been doing? You are on the page, Pepe. What has he been doing in the last few years? His, Any? his most recent one was the remake of Dumbo. The <laughs> live no. action oh, Dumbo. Yeah. I didn't even watch it. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I think that was the one mm -hmm. with Anne Scratch. Hathaway, right? That one yeah. wasn't good. Um, well, the last one that I recognize is Frank and Weenie, which was 2012. I also didn't see that one. But uh, that was, was like uh, I didn't see it either. Budget, but right? I, no, it was uh, like Pixar kind of style. I think oh, it was. It was their like animation, but it's claymation. Like looks claymation, but it's actually CG. I think. Um, it's but it's bad. like that kind of style. Because I really like yeah. both of the stop motion ones he did, uh, the Corpse Bride and uh, mm -hmm. uh, what. Uh, I'm totally blind. And Nightmare. Nightmare Before Christmas, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was groundbreaking and beautiful and still yes. one of the better Halloween movies out there. I'm surprised. Uh, so that good. Yet. Yeah. That had to Not an Oscar winner. Award. Yeah, oh. I saw an old VHS tape of uh, the story guy from that, uh, Joe Ramp who died tragically uh, going over a cliff on Highway 1 not too far from here. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, he was the reason Pixar movies got bad. Um uh, he died during the production of Cars, and uh, I'm getting way off track here. Uh, it was really tragic, and uh, I think since Cars, they're, they've had a couple of hits and, and done okay, but the golden era of Pixar ended with him, I think. Um, and anyway, I saw an old VHS tape because he did the storyboards for Nightmare, and um, it was really groundbreaking stuff, and uh, you could see why Pixar snatched him up and how good he was from the boards that he he was showing them to the people at like Lucasfilm, like trying to help them out with their games. And they were doing games like this is going back to the era when they were doing like Day of the Tentacle. If you guys are familiar with that old time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, so pretty neat. Uh, one, thing, one thing I just wanted to mention for sure, Nightmare, sure. Um, while it was written by Tim Burton, it was actually directed by Henry Selleck, who also did Coraline, James and the Giant Peach. I would give a lot more credit to, to Henry Selleck in there because he's like the claymation guy. You know, he did, you he did like all the great claymation movies, basically. Okay, he just um, borrowed the style but, or maybe their styles yeah. were just copacetic or something. You know, I, I recently watched, I recently rewatched Eraserhead. And after seeing that, I was like, I thought to myself, like, Tim Burton must just watch this movie every day and just be like, I need to make movies like this. Probably. Um, yeah, I mean, and but it's because, well, I found it kind of funny because people think of Tim Burton's style as being like so singular and unique to him. But I think like Lynch did it before him, you know? Yeah, at least very similarly. So, yeah, yeah. I do remember seeing some Tim Burton drawings because he was an animator first for Disney and they didn't know what to do with him because his drawings did look a lot like stuff you'd see in like Beetlejuice and stuff, you know, just wacky. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. He had an interesting journey as an artist. Um, so there was something going on there, but probably he had already seen all that stuff because I 
I think that was probably in what in the 80s or something and uh, David Lynch uh, was already a thing. Yeah, Lynch is about 10 or 12 years older than him, so mm-hmm. he's probably seeing Lynch's stuff before he would Had to Well, maybe not, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. One no, last no, just one, one last Google tangent here while we're talking sure, about his sure. career as an animator. He has an uncredited animator role on the Lord of the Rings animated thing that they did. I don't know oh, if it was wow. a movie or yeah, uh, the rotoscope one, the Ralph the, like, Bakshi rotoscope. Yeah, yeah, the Ralph Bakshi one. Yeah, yeah, he was one of the animators there. Uncredited, wow. just did some okay. help. That's so weird. It, he probably did it right out of art school. Yeah, yeah. shit. Because that was dating Man. back to the early eighties or seventies or seventy-eight, seventy-eight. Yeah, yeah. yeah those those old cartoons old. are old. Damn. Yeah. I still I don't really like the Bakshi ones. They're okay. Uh, they did draw some of the stuff for the Lord of the Rings draw from that i should say like as in drawing water from the well uh for the looks of the lord of the ring movies but i really liked the uh 2d animated uh, hobbit that came out in the 70s it was like a tv oh movie. that's the gold standard for oh, hobbit yeah i know i love that uh-huh. movie i still i still watch so that good. at least once a year i just really gollum is so scary in that in movie. fact I he's so scary because uh the john houston thing when we were watching that movie but uh, yeah, yeah, Gollum was drawn from that, and uh, just the overall look. I think they pulled more from that than anything else, which I was super glad because I just love that whole look in the world and everything. If y'all haven't seen it, uh, try to get your hands on a copy of it, however you can. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to bring it back to uh, this movie specifically, um, this was kind of on the tail end of the Burton stuff that I really liked um after he was done with batman and um it wasn't so like beetlejuice style it kind of like his style lended well to the gothic horror thing and like putting it in a period piece kind of um it kind of grounded it in a in a world that i could still believe in even though it was like dark and and formalist um and i think what i also really well i know what i really liked about this one was the action set pieces um, they were all very different. They all had very different settings. Um, they all made sense as far as the story was concerned. And um, the cinematography was all fantastic. And how the action unfolded was all unique to each set piece and enjoyable. And they did made a good use of the gore in a way that was, like, fun, you know? Yeah. Um, and every head that got chopped off got a nice kind of like close up with look at how they like unfolded it yeah, or right. whatever. Did they, did any of the gore bother you at all, Devin? I have to ask. No, I, it was far too cartoonish. Yes, um, it was. The blood, it was, yeah, some seriously fake blood. Um, but uh, I also thought it was really funny. There's two different scenes where this happens and both times that like made me like roll my eyes in the back of my head when he does something to a corpse two different times in the movie and it sprays blood on him. And I'm like, that's, yeah. that's not how corpses work. No, no, that I think that's a thing where Tim Burton likes to... Sp- he likes to spray blood on Johnny Depp. He, he specifically. likes he to, does his favorite thing. Yeah, yeah, he likes to. Sweetie sh- Todd is just two hours yeah. of him squirting it, blood it, on Johnny. It's some type of inside joke or something to shoot things onto Johnny Depp's face. You know? <laughs> and so that's part sexual. of it. Yeah, I don't yeah, know right. if it is or if it is. isn't, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Johnny. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, uh, they, but yeah, no, it was too cartoony to, to really 
eke me out at exactly. all. And the 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 head prosthetics were really good. They got good fake heads. Those were very convincing. It looked yeah. good. Uh, I had it was fun and like I think because it was over the top and cartoony, it was easier for me to just kind of kick back and enjoy it in more of like a thrill ride sense. But the horror element was definitely there. I mean, what did you think as far as the structure of it and horror, Jim? Um, as far as the structure, yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed it. So the part where we talked about Christopher Walken not talking, mm -hmm. um, I don't think that had really much to do with his teeth. I think it, it just made him more formidable. You, you, you know, he's a man of violence, you know, Makes no sense. talking necessary. Yeah, so it added to that character. And, and and I think that's why Christopher Walken really played up the um, the nonverbals, you know, when he was actually the a little bit of time they was on screen. Um, as far as like the horror sequences, um, the mood of the town uh, when Johnny Depp first walks in and people are like closing the shutters, um, it seemed like every tree was dead and twisted yeah. into each other. You know, that was a really nice. Um, it was always dark and drab, which is very characteristic of uh, Burton films. And yeah. then the the pacing. Right. So uh, a man, you know, the man of reason and logic tries to deduce um, that, the you know, the killer is flesh and blood, which we find out that it is. But there's a healthy dose of uh, supernatural elements that are very yeah, real in the movie world. Yeah. So Which I thought good. that was, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. And, and, and at least in that aspect was indicative of the times because the age of reason wasn't, you know, they, the 1800s. They so it would have been preceded. Reason, yeah. yeah, it would have been preceded. So for sure. Yeah, good, um, good I enjoyed points. it as a horror, as a Me horror too. film. And it's not like this is, so this is a different take than some of the horror movies that we've seen before. You know, the psychological uh, thriller of Silence of the Lambs or um, the Jake Gyllenhaal one, Enemy. Um, this was a horror that, yes, it had gothic horror elements, but it was more a roller coaster ride. You, you know, just like what we're all kind of saying, it was a little too, you know, too much of this or that, overacting or whatever, which I think that all of that was intentional, but it's still... I would consider it a, a gothic horror or at the very least a dark fantasy, you know? It was almost like the one of the later Nightmare on Elm Street movies where it was more like over the top and almost fun. Uh, where you're like, mm -hmm. oh, well, who's Freddy going to get next? It was like, who's the Headless Horseman going to get next, you know? Um, the, the horror structure was there, but I was never like afraid, you know? I, I never got that, that feeling sure. of, of, of dread or whatever. It was more like, get him, you know? Who are you going to chop next, you know? But uh, he, I did like the old yeah. trope of the, the like the reasonable skeptic being wrong um, and and sort mm -hmm. of like proven wrong. I I didn't remember the the plot at all really, and so I was like, man, is he, is it going to be like a Scooby Doo thing where like they like unmask and it really wasn't a guy, you know, at all? But they nipped that in the mm -hmm. bud way earlier than I thought, um, which was fine though because there was plenty of twists to come. At first, when I saw that, I was kind of disappointed, like, oh, okay, well, we know there's a real scare quote real supernatural element here happening mm -hmm. um but and i don't want to like spoil it too much but yeah they ended up having uh the 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 headless horseman was more like an implement uh rather than the killer himself so there was still like that whodunit 
element to figure out. You know, it gave something uh, for Johnny Depp to figure out, right? And there's yeah. plenty of twists. I, yeah, I kind of I was gonna say that I I I don't know. It it kind of crossed the the Rubicon, so to speak, into like too many twists for me like there's a point that some movies do like get to where it's just like okay like it seems like it's pretty likely that it's this person like oh no it's this person oh wait no it's this person and then it's another time and it's that fourth twist where it's like okay at at some point this is no longer a whodunit and it's just like you know you're just doing a benny hill sketch like it's like it's too many people (laughs) (laughs) oh man i can't hear benny hill without hearing the music um, yeah, <laughs> uh, it did pretty much work for me. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll get on board with that idea that at least like the surnames, I just didn't really follow uh, who was who as far as based yeah. on just the names. And they they put it in writing a lot. And I was like, which one? Which British actor is that again? Yeah, I didn't get that the stepmom was even a stepmom until like the end of the movie. And I was like, oh, like I didn't even get that context that she wasn't a real mom. Okay, I'm glad it wasn't just me. I didn't follow the like ins and outs of the mystery of this movie at all. Like I had no I had no idea who was who and like what like Johnny Depp connecting the dots to all this shit. I was just like, I don't know who you're talking about at all. Yeah, I well, just Kyle, trusted that he figured it out and he knew what he was doing. <laughs> well, guys, like, all right, we, chop another head off. I'm in for that. Well, guys, we all play D&D, man. When the DM gives you a lot of NPCs, you write their names down. Come on, guys. Yeah, you write them down. <laughs> and true to D&D, I was not writing taking good notes. So, yeah, <laughs> this was... <laughs> This was like D&D where the party figures out the twist of the mystery too early. So you as the DM just come up with another twist so that it's not the real <laughs> twist that you were going to do. Well, but I, I also felt a little frustrated at the end because then because then when it was when the like sort of final reveal of like why the horseman was killing who he was. I also didn't follow that because I hadn't followed. I mean, I, I sort of figured out that like, Okay, sh- the woman, the stepmom or whatever, is like, yeah, using the horseman somehow to like kill off of her family, so she gets the inheritance. Mm-hmm. So I got that part of it, but I didn't like I, even after that was all basically that was the only part of it that I could figure out. I couldn't figure out the like familial ties, you know. I'm with you, Pepe, but for me, like that was enough. I was like, okay, and yeah, I did, yeah. and I did follow like the visual elements, like oh, she was the the twin or whatever, you know, and that made it kind of all oh, fell yeah, into place. Yeah, twin. Oh man, it, it kind of fell into place at that point when it was like made visual. The the writing stuff, like oh, this surname and that surname was tied to who and this and crossed them off the list. I was like, yeah, okay, I I, I believe that you believe, kind of, you know. Yeah. Um, right. But it was it it was cool. I like once that happened and they were kind of breaking it down visually. I was like, all right. I didn't see that coming that it was that it was the stepmom, uh, in that sense. And um, I I liked that they had the false ending and I fell for it. Um, I, I guess I wasn't watching the runtime or something. But uh, mm-hmm. the false ending was is a horror thing that they pulled off pretty yep. well. I thought. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised that it was kind of a Scooby-Doo ending. It just wasn't like the original Scooby-Doo. It was more like the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo where the monsters were real. Uh, the one mm-hmm. with Vincent Price, if you guys seen that one. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I just didn't, I didn't try too hard to connect the dots. Um, I figured, I trusted enough that they would like spoon feed me at a certain point, And at a certain point they did. 
still well oh, yeah. fed, Burton. Well fed. While we're talking about the ending, I just wanted to, I want to throw one more gripe in this film's sure. direction. No, it's Devin, my last no. one, I swear. Right. Oh well, actually, let me <laughs> let me say one you. more thing before this you talk about the ending. Gripe. Oh, go ahead. Let me go just I, you know, I when I was watching this and when I was not following the like various like connections and all this stuff. I, I've recently been they on the Criterion channel. They recently put up a bunch of new noir movies, hmm. and in those movies, you get these like detectives, and they're like going through this mystery, and they're like connecting the dots, but you're not following it. Like you don't really like the detective is unraveling the mystery, but that is like totally secondary to like what's what the movie is about. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't follow it, it's not that big of a deal because oftentimes in those movies, they just kind of come full circle where like the detective goes on this like sort of quest and then like many things happen. And then he just sort of arrives back at the point where he started where like, like he's just sort of part of this like story that doesn't really involve him. He's just sort of almost like a spectator. Um, and it sort of reminded China me of that. Did that. Did China, was, yeah, is, is yeah. Chinatown I mean, well, a good uh, example of that? Yeah, yeah. Chinatown, um, uh, The Long Goodbye is the one that I'm thinking of in particular. But yeah, like those, a lot of those like hard boiled detective stories where like the, like the detective doesn't really foil the plot, right? right like they're right, just right. sort of taken up in it and, and sort of drug along Dragged by along. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, Chinatown's a great example. Um, and and like I said, the long goodbye where it's just like, OK, I'm, I was witness to all these things. And like now we're back here, you know, and that's like the Chinatown thing is like, well, it's Chinatown. What are you going to do? You yeah, know? exactly. Damn. Chinatown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I feel like, you know, other than that, though, like when they have a procedural or a detective like story, uh-huh. um, it does take an active participation on your part if you do want to follow along. Because a lot of those movies will be subtle with certain things, and they expect yeah. you to see that. They expect you to see that. They expect you to retain that, even if it it oh, doesn't show back up later for like 30, 45 minutes. And then the detective takes that dot and puts it with another one. And if you're not paying attention, it, it's def- those kind of movies are definitely not movies that you want to watch while you're watching YouTube. Or, you know, doing <laughs> something else and having them on in the background, you, you know. I need, I'm always mad whenever a movie expects me to remember a character's name without also, like, showing me their face at the same time. I can never, really? I almost never do that, yeah. Well, that's I, why I was I, banking on this one not to hold me to that. Like, I figured, yeah, I could pay that kind of attention that Jim's talking about, but I didn't need yeah. to. Not in this one, yeah. No, but no I do, But I on that subject i do appreciate like smart movies and really now it just comes down to shows um and i know it's not yeah. groundbreaking anymore but the one that comes to mind is the wire they really do expect you show. to pay attention to arcs early in the season when they rehash them later on and the little intricacies you know regardless of whether that's season one with the you know cops and robbers Avon aspect yeah, which is great. I love well, yeah. I love gangster movies, but that's another uh, love of mine. But also later on in the education system, like season four. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, and it, and it caters to a smart audience. It doesn't re, it doesn't give you a synopsis at the beginning of any of the episodes. It expects you to, you know, 
be up. We're still in a formative it. time oh. in the in the uh, golden era of television that was forthcoming. It was almost like a, a prophecy of what was to come, or a promise yeah. anyway. Yeah, that show is yeah. consistently good throughout all the seasons. Have you seen uh, The Sinner, Jim? I think you would really like that. Um, I haven't seen The Sinner. I just seen you know. Speaking of um, HBO shows, I mm-hmm. just seen seen The Saints of uh, uh, of Newark, which I love. Sopranos, but but anyways, go ahead about The Sinner. Uh, it's just a really good um, detective show that is really good at selling it short. It's fantastic. Go, mm-hmm. you, I, I dare any one of you or all of you to go put on the season one, episode one, and then try to stop watching before you get to the end. It's super Of, su- of Sopranos? Of The Sinner. The Sinner. Oh, The Sinner, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's super good. All right, it's just one of the best. It's nice. one of those things where it's like on the top of my list to recommend to people because it's just it's just a, one of those ones that you can't look away from. And it, and Is it better? It absolutely, absolutely delivers uh on all every season it delivers on the promise that it is it better is it better than true detective the first uh, first season it's i would say it's on par with it uh um definitely uh, and it, and it follows up the follow up is leagues better um nice so, yeah and the new season yeah. is coming out so definitely the center if you haven't watched it check it out you will uh, not be disappointed i guarantee it but uh thank you devin you had yeah, Devin, a, a what were you false say? last gripe. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what, so what in the Michael Bay was that fucking explosion? <laughs> oh, yeah. What the hell was Dude, that? I, You know what? I had exactly Wait. the same reaction. I was like, why did this mill or why did this windmill just oh, explode? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I was like, okay. and then in my brain like went to work and I was like, okay, it's a windmill, which means it's a mill which means they're like grinding grain grain. So there's like dust in the air. So it's very combustible. And I was like, no one in the world is going to think that, you know, like this is, they're like, Oh, it's like a flour mill. It's just, it's very flammable, you know? Yeah. It, it is the first possible plant. <laughs> it's possible for silos to explode. I've heard of that where like, there's enough to like dust in some like wheat silos that they can combust, okay. Okay. but that is like when it's very concentrated in a silo, yeah, right. yeah. Um, it's not like a, a whole mill, which is very open in its windows. And I'd like to say like, it is like <laughs> ramshackle and clearly not in use for like milling. Right. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So there went that logic. <laughs> no, I just like to think that uh, an executive producer who doesn't know what the hell they were talking about is just like, you know, we need an explosion in this sucker. I mean, like, we need this set cleaned up. Time. We need we need this set cleaned up by next week. And Timber's like, we could blow it up. Well, yeah, we got <laughs> like, a guy. I, I doubt it. I think that I, I have to are, say it's probably a producer. What if they what if they filmed it and they were like, okay, well now the horseman's dead, so we don't have to worry about him anymore. And then someone was like, well, why is the horseman dead? Like he's an he's an immortal beat being. Mm-hmm. And they were like, fuck, well, we gotta make more movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was he's like a revenant. You know, yeah. and when the movie yeah. starts out, you really think that he's a revenant, and then you learn his his strings are being pulled. You know, which I thought was which a I cool really twist. Liked. I mm-hmm. loved that twist. That was my favorite part. It was like you are the the instrument rather than the villain. Which yeah. uh, I don't know. Did anyone else see that twist coming? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I did think it was interesting the way that he deduced it. He sort of 
you know, because he's trying to use like fake forensic <laughs> science, basically. <laughs> and, and another like just ridiculous when he pours that like powder and he was like, yeah. oh, it was a deep cut. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was so stupid. Oh, man. <laughs> but that felt like a joke. That felt like Tim Burton was like fucking with the audience. Like, cause, yeah, like right. clearly it was a heavy cut his head came off so like i don't know it's hard to tell yeah, <laughs> what was right. comedy wasn't that was about just... like the, the fact that the cut was cauterized though or something yeah no, but like he... how is that gonna how is like sprinkling powder on the ground like in front of the head gonna be like oh like you could just look at it and be like this wound is cauterized i mean honestly you know I, mean? Like... <laughs> I just i don't know i just turned my brain off and trusted that they knew what they were talking <laughs> about to be honest um but it was like uh yeah, it was very stylized in in on par with what Burton likes to do, um, which can be borderline silly, which I think got in his own way at mm-hmm. a certain point. So, you know, I, I can't like shoot down your criticism there. Um, but I like yeah. the weird implements and stuff like that. And in, in this, I think it worked, at least for me, for the most part. Um, I just kind of yeah. went along for the fun of it. Tim Burton really toes the line between like, I think he kind of wants to do parodies, but also serious movies at the same time. Like he kind of wants to make fun of the genre, but also still like stay within it, you know, in a kind of strange way that sometimes works um, in some movies. Like you know, when he try when he just makes a comedy like Beetlejuice or, or, you know, I don't know how many other comedies he's really full, full comedies he's made, but you know, when he really tries to make a comedy, it can back that kind of thing can work. But then in this movie that wants to be taken much more seriously, it's hard to tell when a joke is supposed to be a joke and not uh-huh. just like something that doesn't work. Yeah, at the time, it just came off as quirky and stylized and new. And I think the newness of it, when that wore off, you were left what with more in line with what you're saying, Devin. Yeah. Yeah. Because when he first came in with the Tim Burton thing, it was just like nobody had seen anything like that before yeah the novelty Mm -hmm. i think has since worn off in the 30 years or 40 years or whatever i guess 30 or it'll be 40 before you blink an eye though watch out uh danny elfman delivered though his score was fantastic as always um tim burton was smart to keep him on francis ford coppola was actually the exec producer i don't know if you guys noticed oh yeah i saw that that was kind of surprising and, and fun and in line with what uh, Jim was saying about trying to get uh, Dracula, because he was the director of the of the Dracula movie you were referencing, right? Yeah, well, it had kind of Dracula vibes when um, that cl- that clip that you just played when you know announced the villain, you know, when they were talking about Dracula, and I just remember mm-hmm. in um, that movie that in '93 where. Jonathan Harker's riding on the train and, and it's and the sky is all red behind him and you can see eyes yes. open up and then close. And it reminded me of the same thing when um, the, the magistrate or whoever that that person was uh, t- was talking about the Hessian, you know, the mercenary and his call was for blood, not money. And just that same kind of feel, it just smacked. It just smacked in the feels of Dracula for me um, at that moment. Absolutely. Me too. Uh, which I remember so fondly. Um, yeah. I just, I, I, Dracula was one of those, I've said this before, Dracula, the Francis Ford Coppola one. Um, criticisms aside, which I will accept, um, I really enjoyed watching and re-watching that when I was young. 
Yes. And so I just have yes. such fond memories of that movie. Yes, and that's the epitome of gothic horror. That that mm-hmm. that movie. I I I feel um, it's yeah. so good. Have you been up to the his like winery and and restaurant? Yeah, which is you, you, you saw the the Dracula suit there. Yeah, it was oh, wow. so cool. Yeah, the wow. red dragon armor. armor. Yeah, oh, yeah, and they have all his Oscars. Oscars. Yeah, yeah. I went there for a very expensive uh, dinner and uh, yeah, right, very expensive pasta dinner. Damn. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll pay for every noodle. The bucket. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he just sold that label and and that place to some other big winery thing. Uh, I get. I think huh. he traded up those. One of those deals where you sell it, but now you're sitting on the board of the bigger winery. So it was almost like yeah, uh, win win or whatever. And then he opened up some new label that uh, that he can focus on more on a personal level. I think the other <laughs> one got too big or something for him to manage, maybe all his kids making movies now and his nephews and everything oh uh, yeah his daughter that's yeah, a good yeah. problem to have man seriously yeah right seriously yeah story from film school uh real quick um there was a i the my cinematography teacher uh worked on a, a project that coppola was exec producer on and it got shut down because the first time director oh boy Here's a lesson. Uh, he was told by Coppola specifically, uh, this movie doesn't have enough action, so go out and shoot some more action scenes. You know, write them up, shoot them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he totally ignored that advice, went out and shot more and more dialogue, and uh, Coppola shut the whole thing down. So, oh, wow. Uh, maybe listen to your exec producer, Francis Ford Coppola, and he's one of the best yeah. directors ever. Maybe don't just ignore it. Uh, yeah, so little lesson there for would-be filmmakers out there uh people uh, people that uh are in charge of the production moving forward or not you can't just ignore them especially when there's someone like coppola who actually probably mm-hmm. knows a little thing or two about filmmaking but uh go ahead Devin. you had a, something to say yeah it was a dumb joke it, it, it's fine <laughs> we've moved the moment on. Has passed. <laughs> well let's see uh i have a another clip um this <laughs> i called this clip shit is real which is kind of early uh this is probably leading into act two when johnny depp realizes that uh this isn't going to be one of those uh original scooby-doo endings where they unmask the villain and it was like old man scherzer who owned the theme park it was an actual real ghost <laughs> Must not excite yourself. But it was a headless horseman. Of course it was. That's why you're here. No, you must believe me. It was a horseman, a dead one. Headless. I know, I know. <laughs> you don't know because you were not there. It's all true. Well, of course it is. I told you. Everyone told you. I saw him. I suppose it's back to the city then. <laughs> So uh, two things. Um, that was the scene following when Vernon Dursley uh, from Harry Potter got his head chopped off. And then that was, of course, uh, the actor who played Dumbledore, who I can't not hear it. Uh, and secondly, if me being, uh, I like to think of myself as rather skeptical, 
uh, would have that same reaction, like, what universe am I in now where ghosts are real? Uh, yeah. So that was a pretty good reaction from him and similar to what I would do, except I probably would be back uh, to New York and, uh, uh, as soon as I could book a carriage or whatever they traveled by back then. Yeah, the way that he, the way that uh, uh, Bolt is just like, is like, yeah, I, I know it's real. Yeah, like that's what we've been telling you. Right. Like that had me cracking up. That was so good. He's like, you're in a different movie than you thought you were in, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I and thought yeah. was cool. Michael Gammon's voice is incredible. I could like, I, I wonder if he's done any audio books. I could listen to him talk oh, for a hundred hours. Oh my God. I love his voice. I don't even care if it would be like, is the most boring like book about like, you know, introduction to biology. I would t totally listen to him. He's in, um, he's, in, he's in Elder Scrolls Online too. He does the voice of the, one of the main NPCs, the um, hmm. like moth priest who kind of guides you through the game is, is Michael Gammon. Yeah, yeah. he's great. Yeah, love speaking him. of he was the, a different um, replacement for the other fellow, rest and power. Speaking of the the ghost story aspect of this, I kind of wish that they had, um, like buried the lead a little bit deeper and like not revealed the that that it was like an actual ghost horseman, because I thought that because it like it the beginning, it, bit, but it was pretty quick that they wrapped up that question mark, right? Yeah, because like the beginning of the movie, um. They were sort of playing at this like, uh, like oh well, which is gonna which is gonna be, like, which is gonna reign supreme here? Like Johnny Depp, the scientist, or like the, these like Bible thumping religious people? And I was like, oh okay, this might be a little interesting. But then it, like the cat was just out of the bag. That like yeah. oh yeah, it's a, it's a ghost. Yeah, no, you're not in that movie. You're in this movie. And then yeah. I think they probably. Me as a boring grown up was like, oh, I'm totally into the aspect of the skeptic will unravel this and Scooby do it at the end. Um, but however, that probably wouldn't have played well with the general audience. Um, that that's we all know that the headless horseman was supposed to be real in the tale, and if they went the other direction, people would have probably been pissed off about that. Um, but they did they did try to imbue it with other things, like that Johnny Depp with his mom dying so I, actually that's a good setup for playing this clip this is his lost faith clip um and his mom i guess was into some kind of witchcraft or something they were alluding to am i wrong about that did i miss that he, he calls her like a child of nature and then she was like yeah. misunderstood as a witch yeah. so she's probably like an herbalist like an actual like in our world what we like refer to as a witch or something yeah so he was kind yeah, of rediscovering his roots is the i guess the direction they were going with that which was uh, some kind of a uh, consolation i think but let me let me play the clip. Tell me what you dreamt. My mother was an innocent child of nature. Condemned. Murdered. By my father. Murdered by? Murdered to save her soul. By a Bible black tyrant. Behind a mask of righteousness. I was seven. When I lost my faith. What do you believe in? Sense and reason. Cause and consequence. I should not have come to this place. Where my rational mind has been so controverted by the spirit world. Will you take nothing from Sleepy Hollow that was worth the coming here? No. No, not nothing. A kiss from a lovely young woman. 
Don't kiss her. She has cooties. Your your childhood friends. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, gross. Death was, uh, and then Death was subsequently saved from a bullet by a book, a spell book of magic. Um, oh man! And so yeah. they did tie it in there, and that was like the very superstition he spent a lifetime trying to skew. He ended up uh, being saved by. I was like, oh man! I saw that coming a mile away. Did anybody? Me too. Did anybody oh, yeah. else? Yeah. yeah. Oh, got Jesus. Shot. Yeah. Close to your heart, like yeah. Yeah. It's, right. it's a trope. Describe. It's a trope. It's, yeah, a, it's yeah. a big time trip, yeah. They 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 visited it quickly and moved on. You know, they didn't make too big of a deal out of it. But yeah, I definitely did see that coming. Like, I I do think they did a fairly good job characterizing Depp's character, giving him little things to kind of like keep his character very consistent. Yeah. Like um, early on, I noticed it was it was cool when the uh, I don't know what they call it, the priest in town. I don't know what his exact title is. Mm -hmm. Um says like here's the only book you need and hands him the bible when he first gets to town yes and then and then depp places his like book of of research on top of the bible like very yes. purposefully like places mm -hmm. it on top that was very like literally him putting science before religion yeah and that's why i was saying cool. i was kind of disappointed early on when they stated in no uncertain terms that the ghost was real right which usually happens more at the midpoint uh of a horror movie but they found interesting ways to keep playing those kind of things off each other, even though the ghost was real, which I found satisfying. Yeah, I think they wanted to move on to the actual whodunit. You, you, you know, I don't yes. think this was move, a, a movie um, being gothic horror where you don't want to, you know, it's like Alien. You don't want to reveal the monster too early. You want, right. you know... Uh, um, what do you call it? Um, signs of its passing, but you don't want, but in this case, they did reveal the monster early, but I think it was to, um, move past it now, establish that to move on to, but it's got a human master, you, you know, and yeah. that took up some screen time. Yeah. Mm. This was one of those mashups of genres. And I think it's probably, yeah. and like we, like I said before, you're always going to lose something from one of them by favoring the other. But since this was, I think, underlying, I think, a whodunit, as we saw in Fold in Act 3, um, with uh -huh. those other elements, kind of uh, supporting elements, maybe, um, you lose something there, you gain something here. Um, I think that it's one of the better uh, versions of a mashup in that sense. Um, so structurally, um, I'll move on. Structurally, the midpoint, I always like to point out midpoints. Uh, it happens when Crane chops into the tree of the dead and finds all the decapitated heads, which mm -hmm. I thought was a really good, that was one of the better gore scenes, because you're like, and, and another one of the scenes where they splash blood on Johnny Depp's face. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, the sounds were great. Uh, the reveal was great. And I loved how, when they eventually showed it, the horseman was summoned to go kill. I loved the yes. whole horse jumping yes. out of the tree. All that imagery was fantastic. Really enjoyed that. Um, I'm surprised that was, they. That uh, was um, that was one of the more. I seeing the heads in the tree was cool, but yeah. um, the the horse coming out of the tree actually sticks out to me as being one of the disappointing parts of the movie for me. Oh, really? Because yeah, well, because like they show all those heads in the tree, and they're like, and they show them like pulsating and kind of like moving around uh, and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Gorin. And then they show, and then they show that like wound in the tree, and the like horse hoof like kind of comes out of it, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I thought to myself, like, oh, we're gonna get to see this like 
horse and rider be like birthed out of the like viscera of this tree but then they don't they like cut away uh, to like a further back shot and you just kind of like see it I think they basically were basically come out in like a minute and a second you know i think they were held back by what we could do at the time effects wise possibly or yeah uh, I, like yeah that. you're probably right like yeah. maybe they they probably thought that like we couldn't but the but concept that was, I thought was cool and they did a pretty good job i just want to know who their head guy was because they they delivered on those fake heads am i right yeah yeah there's some um, beautiful heads in there huh speaking of the tree i just want to keep you know this has become a thing that i i do a point out references in video games okay um in the video game runescape which i'm a lifelong player of they are there are a, a type of tree called bloodwood trees which um, not only are black trees that bleed when you cut them, but also have uh, like skulls in their roots in like the exact placement of, of where mm -hmm. they are in the film and very clearly a reference to hmm. the film. Nice. So, yeah. so you're saying that's the from game the source material the film or uh, in the, in the wiki page for that tree, it says that it was borrowed from the, from the film. Okay. So I don't think, I don't oh, know if it was okay. mentioned in the book. Everything's from something. Yeah. So what, but Pepe, were you saying you were wondering if the film borrowed it from the source material uh, that was originally written by uh, Washington Irving. Yeah, Washington Irving. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's. I mean, I haven't read the story, so I don't know. Uh -huh. um, yeah, but I, I wonder. I just seen the Disney yeah. one in this. <laughs> yeah, you know that was the other thing that. Um, I mean, the scene that sticks out to me from the Disney version is when they're crossing that covered bridge, and it like and it like preternaturally elongates and the horseman's coming after him and he has his his like jack-o-lantern head and he throws it at the guy um and they did that almost shot for shot in this movie but they almost sort of like played it for a laugh because he they have that mm -hmm. se that sequence where he throws the jack-o-lantern at him and then it just like bonks him on the head you know and that that kind of just that I don't know, stuck in stuck in Macraw. <laughs> Cause that's like the iconic scene from the animated one where he just like throws right. that flaming pumpkin right. at him. And then uh -huh. they made it into kind of a joke there. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. I think that's one of the things that pissed me off when I originally watched it and, and I was like, man, why isn't it more like the Disney one? Because yeah, they do, like they if do you're gonna, hint at that. Yeah, I mean if you're obviously gonna have that iconic scene in there and gonna like presumably pay homage to it right like do it for real you know like do it seriously don't play it for a laugh or whatever don't have it like i almost expected like a bonk sound effect when it like hit johnny <laughs> depp in the face yeah i think it didn't bother me this time because i that was like one of the things i remembered and i knew that that was coming and i was like yeah they're just messing with them um but it wasn't clear to yeah. me why they were messing with the constable really they didn't really set it up as as good if i'm gonna be yeah about that that's true I think it was because um, the guy was mad that he was making time with uh, Christian sure. Ricci. Yeah, they didn't really play them off each other to the extent that probably was either in the original story, or at least definitely was the crux of the Disney version. Um, yeah. Because yeah. that was the what, what the whole thing was about in that one, right? Um, to Washington Irving, I he has a surprisingly long IMDb list uh, from his stories. Uh, I don't know what else he wrote other than Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> Uh, Cider House, is it Cider House Rules or is that a different Irving? I think that's a different Irving. That's uh, the too, one with Toby to Maguire. Contemporary. Okay. Uh, Washington Irving was born in 1783, died in 1859 at age 76. 
He wrote, he's known for Rip Van Winkle and Sleepy Hollow and mm -hmm. I, maybe some other stuff. Um, but uh, he still, he has a, his latest credit on IMDb was in 2019. So he's still getting credit. Love to try to you have credit on it somehow. Um so yeah, um and let's play I have one more clip. Uh this is the witch witch. He says witch a million times. I didn't I didn't have that part, mm -hmm. but uh this is when he visits the witch. They had to be real careful to disguise her voice here, which I think they did a pretty good job because I also didn't see that coming that the twins ended up being these two sisters and whatnot but uh i thought they did a pretty good job with the audio here um i don't know how you could have seen it coming i mean i feel like that was pretty much like a pretty straight deus ex machina which was just like look the audience could never know this but we're gonna just stick it in here because we need to and they purposefully it. lead you away from it with the dialogue and and such from other characters which is a good way to do that and i don't remember specifically how but i remember noticing at the time like uh or thinking back like okay when when he said such and such he was that was literally put in the script to make us like lead away from or even like okay so in the judge in the beginning he he says the murderer and he says uh him right so right away we're planting in our minds that the murderer has to be a guy uh and mm -hmm. other stuff like that uh there's some more specific stuff to them but uh i thought they did a good job with the uh the audio stuff here so i included it there wasn't a lot of like monologuing in this movie so i didn't get a ton of clips as the last one but uh this this sound here was pretty good and it was maybe one of the creepier parts and they did a good uh obviously we can't show it but they they did a good like mask or makeup effect on her when she was possessed uh it kind of reminded yeah, me yeah that jump of, scale was pretty cool yeah and it, it reminded me of uh uh, Pan's Labyrinth, almost the monster face in it. Uh, it's just real weird, nightmarish, creepy stuff. So I, I, I caught it. We'll listen to it. Don't move or speak. When the other comes, I will hold him. The other. Silence. He comes now. <sighs> Trail to the tree of the dead. How will we recognize it? Without difficulty, I rather fear. We climb down to the horseman's resting place. His camp? His grave. Depp does a good job of playing things like that for laughs, uh, too, to kind of like almost be like a palate cleanser for the for the jump scare. Yeah, and, right. and you gotta follow up. It's, it's good to follow up 
stuff like that or low points or grief or whatever with a, a quick bit of uh, comedy. He's, he's, he's known for that and good at it. But, uh, yeah, so do you guys have anything else you want to uh, discuss or shall we wrap up and uh, go to a commercial break? Um, just a few things. I, I sure, really sure. liked um, Johnny Depp's rendition of Ichabod Crane. Mm -hmm. I haven't read the book either, but from what I remember from the cartoon, Ichabod himself is not he's not physical. Um, he he's even craven. He's he's a kind of a coward. Um, and I wouldn't exactly call Johnny Depp a coward, but he's definitely not physical. You know, his character. Um, and uh, he he's fainted a couple of times. Uh, that kind of that double take look he gives like, should I just continue on with this? You know, you can tell he's got real feet. You know, he's got fear, but yeah. he still continues on. And that's the bravery part of the hero. I thought yes. that complexity was was cool. And um, the scene that I really enjoy, and it kind of came to a head before we were, were delivered a twist, was in the church when everybody's kind of rallying for safety. Yeah. But at the same time, um, I forget the guy, the, uh, the uh, Baltus um, is having that argument with the reverend, you know, and all of that yeah. turmoil. And at the same time, the headless horseman is circling around, you know, Great trying team. to get at him. I thought that, that was, was all ending. awesome. It, yeah, the whole thing so, was and the and when the uh, reverend or whatever got killed by getting hit in the head with the cross, I thought that was nice. A uh, little bit mm -hmm. of irony there. Uh, and the fellow got pulled out through the window and stuff. Yeah, that whole the whole yeah. ascending sequence, the whole false climax was uh, was really great. And I didn't well, know all the cronies fell apart. Too. Yeah, exactly. And then and then the guy said, oh, this is a conspiracy. And he had the pistol. You're supposed to think it's mm -hmm. him. It, and this is where was it? You, Pepe, that said that it was too many people or Devin? I think it might have been Devin. Actually. I mean, it was too many twists, yeah. Yeah, so that was one <laughs> it of was them. Where, like, you're supposed to think it's the guy. You're supposed to think it was uh, uh, the love interest. Um, I forget her name. Mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of bounced around. But then I, but, you know, I didn't see a lot of those twists coming yet. Um, so I thought it was the guy and when he got pulled through the window. But before that, he did plant that, like, th there's a conspiracy afoot, you know, and he wants to find out and get to the bottom of it. And so they did a good job with the the whodunit part as far as that goes. And I didn't think they would be able to top that action set piece. But uh, when they reached the real climax in the fight, they did a great job with it. The whole, like, you mm. know, carriage ride adventure oh, uh, yeah. part was fantastic. And so they did do Speak a good job. And I liked, I also like real quick, the, the fight with uh, when Braun was joined by Johnny Depp and he kind of found his courage and got into the fight with the Headless Horseman there. Uh, leading mm -hmm. up to uh, Bron getting uh, chopped in half. Um, that was another great one. Uh, the action probably was the big highlight of this whole thing for me. Um, it just did a really great job with it. And, and, the, and the Headless Horseman, kind of like the physicality of how that worked and trying to damage him and it not working and stuff, it all just it all landed for me. Speaking of Ichabod's character, too, I... I... This is something that I think I talked to Jim and Pepe about maybe after the, I don't think I talked about it on the podcast or not, but um, one thing I do enjoy about the horror films that I've watched that I, that I enjoy mm -hmm. is that they typically have fallible main characters like yes. horror. Mm -hmm. It's a big theme to have a main character who is flawed. And I think I did talk about this with, with sounds of the lambs. Yeah. And it, it carries over into this where we have a character that has like clear flaws and they're not afraid to show those flaws and have them be, 
like a sticking point in the film, um, yeah. which I think any good narrative does. But these days you find a lot of narratives that kind of, you know, don't really. And then it's not you never think that, you know, someone's going to lose in a Marvel movie. The heroes are going to lose in a Marvel movie. But I in the horror movie, going, there's yeah. always that chance of like, maybe he's just going to fucking die. Like, who knows? Yeah, it can happen. Well, so you know, that- you can only have Captain America if you have a flawed character like Iron Man or, or someone else that that is struggling with something. You know, it, Captain America alone is boring. Kind of like super, Superman alone is almost uh-huh. uh, like boring. Yeah. You have to have someone else in there in a in a uh, a team or something, a, a team up or something for it to be compelling. Yeah. yeah. Well, w- what I was going to say is uh, that is definitely a hallmark of gothic horror to have a flawed uh, character or a very human character that we okay. can relate to. And um, I think also another element of gothic horror is it's not, you, you know, like in modern telling, like we know at the end of the movie, everything's going to be OK. But in a gothic mm-hmm. horror movie, you don't have that same sense that everything's going to be OK. And that's that's a hallmark or or even if the hero should win, it could be a, a, a I might mispronounce this, a Pyrrhic a pyrrhic victory which even if they win they lose or they lose something like a tragedy um uh that type of thing but i don't what know I, if it's pyrrhic or pyrrhic either and uh, yeah uh, i'm not sure but i know i follow what you're saying that it's like if you win there's you barely win and it's almost like a bigger loss than a win or something right yeah but uh it, as far as like uh going the other way like you guys were talking about marvel having a superhero that's all powerful mm-hmm. or, you know, is pretty powerful. I, I think, and I'm just taking this from, you know, tips for dungeon mastering that okay. when the player characters get really powerful, um, then it kind of switches to, even though you have all of this power, what are the moral stakes? Right. So Superman is always <laughs> faced with the sense of morality. You know, does he save, you know the school bus with all and batman too i think but does he save the school bus full of children but let's you you, you know um the villain kind of escape for the time being that type of thing so yeah well Good i points, think that's Jim. the that's the like that's what people who are making superman movies today have like forgotten is that like the conflict the conflict that superman has isn't the same conflict that batman has right mm-hmm Superman doesn't isn't conflicted about what's right and wrong. He's a he's in he's conflicted about what is best, right? Yes. In, yeah. And so, like you said, like the hard choices for Superman is like, do I save five people or do I save one person or do right. I save fifty mm-hmm. people or do I save twenty? Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and so like when you try to make Batman or Superman into more like Batman. It just doesn't like it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work as we've seen. You know, know? it's almost a shame that kryptonite's a thing because they just lean way too heavily on that. And um, Uh, yeah, that's yeah. It it really it would serve them better to follow kind of what Jim was outlining there. Yeah, somebody told those comic book writers like your your protagonist has to have a weakness, and they're like, ah, okay, this rock. (laughs) They're like, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. Yeah, Yeah, right. Yeah. Whoops, a daisy. Well, you can make such interesting Superman, like the fact that Superman is like, what, like the longest running comic in history, you mm-hmm. know, like is, is testament to like its durability, right? <laughs> you know, and the and the fact that like 
these guys who should be making like blockbuster movies out of this like time time proven ip is just like proof that they just have like fumbled the ball on it just like don't know what they're doing with the character yeah so more gothic horror maybe that's why batman works better because i mean you can lean on the kind of gothic horror aspect of it right mm-hmm. well yeah it I mean, works best when they do that yeah like there's a reason why his city is called gotham like you know it there is gothic. It. <laughs> not so much on the nose is uh definitely on the nose yeah, yeah, right. They're they're really leaning into that, but it works. It works, right? And so yeah, I eat in a similar all way. I eat all of that stuff up. There's a Me line too. from the the movie The Siege, which is actually was done before 2001. There was a big explosion in that movie. It was terrorist. It was kind of pro- prophetic in a way. The military, mm-hmm. you know, took over, but um, uh, the character played by Annette Benning, she's a CIA agent. And she mm-hmm. says a very classic line, which is, it is easy to tell the difference between right and wrong. It is much harder to look at two wrongs and choose the one that's more right. And man, that line is stuck with me to this day. Such a yeah, great line. A great, great line and very true. A lot of the time it's trying to choose the lesser of two evils, which is, a, it's just such a, it's just terrible all the way down, like turtles all the way down. Yeah. 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 Good point. Okay, well, on that note, uh, did we want to say anything <laughs> else about uh, um, Sleepy Hollow before we uh, cut to commercial? Any final thoughts to share? I don't think so. I think we've, me, at least. Yeah, I think we've mined the ore out of this one pretty well. Um, <laughs> I'm going to file my teeth down, that's for sure. That's a hell of a good look. It's just never going to happen. You think, and people talk about a tattoo being a commitment. Jeez. Yeah, right? Yikes. <laughs> Yeah, they did a good job setting his character up. And oh, let me just say that the CG where his face came back together um, wasn't too bad for '99. I was kind of pleasantly yeah, surprised. Yeah, it wasn't it was, too it bad. It was a little cartoony. It was a little dated. I liked not it. Terrible. Yeah, they you know all the muscle structure was there. They clearly did a uh, they they clearly put a lot of effort into it. Let me just say that yeah, way, despite uh, uh, real the limitations quick. of the time. Yeah, you just had to bring up that that good shot, actually. Um, <laughs> one thing I kept expecting it to do, because it cut away a couple times during that scene, and I was like, the first time it cut away, I'm like, okay, it's going to cut back, and his head's just going to be normal. Like, that's they're just cutting it. You know, it's like, like three seconds of CG. transitions they used to do. Yeah, exactly. And then, but then it cuts back, and it's like, no, he's still growing muscle, and it cuts away again, and cuts back, and he's still, it's like, damn, they're really, like, investing, and in it, it, I think it worked pretty well. It reminded me a lot of the... Surprised the like willow transformation stuff obviously much more advanced than that but a similar sort of like that weird in between thing I, don't know. I, I feel like they undercut that scene as well with the one moment of like his like eyes bugging out and like tongue coming like i was just like come on guys like choose one or the other you know yeah oh, that's a very out. tim burton thing this is this tim burton is, loves uh... buggy eyes also, it's still uh, ILM, and they had just come off of butchering the original Star Wars trilogy with their uh, updated oh, effects God. or whatever. And so I could see where the, the same like uh, supervisors were probably working there at the time, and then just like, bug everything out. Yeah. But uh, I think for the time, <laughs> yeah. uh, I can excuse that. And I was really surprised by the, just the intricacy of of the anatomy and stuff that they put into it was had to have been a very difficult shot to do. Um, so isn't that what they won for the Academy Award? No, what did they win for again? Remind me. A set or, set uh, or something. Oh, set yeah. Design. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Set design was really good. 
art art direction and set design yeah it was mm-hmm. back when it was the that one was way, i don't know if it's more than one now yeah they kicked it up a notch they did good and it was one of the better burton things where they just i think because it was in a in that period it kind of reined him in a little bit and maybe just enough for it to work for me Okay, so let's uh, think about our final grades, and in the meantime, we'll take a short commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsors. Been feeling a bit cooped up lately? I get it, we all are. If yet another staycation just isn't going to cut the head off your craving to get away from it all, reach out to Sleepy Hollow Bed and Breakfast. Located in a town upstate, just two days' journey to the north in the Hudson Highlands. Have you heard of it? Sleepy Hollow is an isolated farm community, mostly Dutch, where you can rest in peace while we cater to your every need. After sleeping like the dead, wake up to the aroma of our famous pumpkin-spiced coffee. That first sip will have you lose your head over how good it is. Fall in love with the locals who are so enchanting, they'll be sure to catch your evil eye. Enjoy our legendary (laughs) hospitality. No matter how long you book your stay, it will feel very short-lived. Yes, our enchanting town will charm you into wanting to stay forever and ever and ever. Disclaimer, the term lose your head is literal, meaning an incorporeal horseman will rise from the grave and decapitate you with no hope for escape. Sleepy hollow bed and breakfast. Won't you join us for a spell? That yes. was good. That was great. Thank that you. was good, man. I love I love how these commercials are getting just like more and more familiar. Just like, are you feeling this way? <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> getting to know my audience. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so funny. Great, great. Good. Glad it's working out. It's uh yeah, I thought it would become harder and harder to write these every week, and it's kind of becoming easier and easier, and I'm having more fun with it. So it, nice. it, hopefully it reminds me a lot of those commercials they would do on Ren and Stimpy sometimes where it's like, hey, kids, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Are Which you is why bored? I went to the that one time. Yeah, yeah. Totally reminds me of that. All right, gang. Yes, it's time for final grades. So, uh, Pepe, you uh, took this joke earlier. It did not live up to its title, Sleepy. On the contrary, a rollicking good time with a nice twist on a classic fable. Uh, Great action set pieces, costumes, cast. Got every British actor uh, that they could find, uh, and then some. And it had enough twists and turns to keep me engaged and guessing who done it until the thrilling finale. So I will give Sleepy Hollow a solid B. Uh, but what did you think, Devin? Well, I set up cats. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I went back and forth with this one. I do think that there were some enjoyable bits to it. Um, but I think overall, despite how much I seem to know about Tim Burton and his style, like seemed to really come out when I was talking about this film. I, I don't know if I really like that style that much. I think it's kind of, I don't know. It's something that I liked a lot when I was younger. And the more I rewatch these uh, older ones, it's uh, the less I'm liking them. Um, But I do think there was some really cool stuff in it. I'm going to give it a C plus. I think that it's like close to being like a B movie for me, but just a little too kind of over the top. And um, yeah. 
Okay, so we landed on a C plus. Um, I'm gonna try to queue up cats real quick since I have it up, and I'll just do an audio because cutting over is too weird, and my computer is acting real funky. So uh, let's see. This will pick up somewhere towards the end of her thing. Yeah, for those reasons, I'm giving this movie a C grade. Okay, nice and easy. So we got a B. Um, oh, it started over. Oh, we, oh, didn't, we, we didn't, didn't hear it. it. Oh, uh, I got it on recording. She gave it a C. So we got a C okay. from Kat. Uh, the audience will hear it. And I'll definitely need your backup uh, audio on that one, Devin, because it Kat started playing right over everything else. So we'll have to figure out a better way to do this next time. Um, okay. The wheels are already turning. Um, so uh, I gave it a B. You gave it a C plus. Kat gave it a C. And uh, James Pepe. This So I've had this... This this is a movie similar to some of the ones we've had in the past where I'm just sort of like lukewarm on it. But in like so in in one sense, I don't want to grade this movie badly because it didn't do anything poorly, but it also didn't do anything great as like as far as I'm concerned. And in a certain sense, I feel like movies like that should are like my least favorite movies. They just like slide right out of my brain once I stop. Like literally the moment I turn it off, I just forget almost everything everything about it. Like when I was sitting down to do this, I was like, shit, I don't remember anything about this movie, even though I watched it yesterday. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, like there's obviously a lot of craft that went into this movie, you know, like, um, yeah, like it it won an Oscar for uh, like set design or whatever it was, like for a reason, you know, and it 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 excels at that. Um and so I'm I always feel torn with these types of movies where they're just like they're just they go in one ear and out the other. They're not good enough to be memorable and they're not bad enough to be memorable. Um so I think I'm going to give it a C plus, you know. I think makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, different kind of approach for me. It was more putting it in the B range for me because I just had fun kind of for that same reason, just turning off my brain for most. Part yeah. You know, kind of <laughs> kicking back and enjoying the ride, you know, the the action. I I, I couldn't even in the, with this movie enjoy many of the action sequences because there was some there was something about the way that the guy who was playing the headless horseman was mm -hmm. like doing his acting or whatever, or, or just this, just the visual of a body with no head mm -hmm. made it so silly that I couldn't feel like there were really any stakes at, in any of the action. I never felt like anyone was actually in danger. Like I didn't think any of those characters were going to be killed. And so is like there were no stakes to the action. Well, I mean, the ancillary characters, of like, they're just cannon fodder, right? But okay, like Christina yeah, sure. Ricci, sure, sure, sure. Uh, Johnny Depp, like I, I was, I never felt scared for them. Um, and so even in those sequences, like it was hard for me to, to enjoy the action sequences because I just couldn't get into them. And there was something about seeing the Headless Horseman that just like seemed silly, especially because when you would see his neck, like they and all the other people who got their heads chopped off, they they had a cool like neck thing. They really did. But with him, it was just like an empty set of clothing. It was just yeah. like he was an invisible man or something. Yeah. And, and I didn't Borboreal, like that either. Which I yeah right during yeah. the commercial. 
Um, so I don't want to misstate what you're saying, but I think what you might be saying is that it needed more cowbell. Yes, exactly. More <laughs> cowbell. Come on, walking. <laughs> you said this it had just been. If this had just been an hour and 45 minutes of um, like a, a music video of him uh -huh. dancing, uh -huh. 100%. Yeah. Yep. That, that would be our first straight A movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> Gotta have the cowbell. That was my bad Christopher Walken. Okay. And uh, so uh, that would be a, another C+. Okay, cool. So, uh, Jim, what do you got for us? Uh, final grade, final word. Yeah, so obviously I submitted this movie, so I'm not going to give it a like a bad grade, but mm -hmm. it, I don't think it's the exemplar um, mm -hmm. of Gothic Horror. I think that would, uh, as far as both Oscar winner, Halloween, and Gothic Horror exemplar, that would definitely be Dracula. Yeah. But I still think it's good as far as, you know, putting you in the mood or setting the tone, right, in the mood to enjoy this roller coaster ride through Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Um, from start to finish and i think there was enough there to keep you um on, on the movie itself uh so and there's a lot of other good things so i, I give it a solid b as well yeah I'm, I'm obviously with you on that um there was mm -hmm. plenty in there for me to latch on to and enjoy um and i was just kind of in the mood for a straight up like halloween themed yeah romp and this is so it's a good seasonal movie yeah exactly yeah, yeah it's like it's it's october it's halloween you know the wind's blowing the leaves are falling it's definitely autumn uh yeah creepy crawly stuff is going on and i am in the mood you know like time of the lanterns. year yeah exactly. yeah I love, it. love yeah i mean we mentioned it briefly that like like not all horror movies are Halloween movies. And this mm -hmm. isn't like a Halloween movie. Whereas like Silence of the Lambs isn't really, it's a horror movie, but it's not really a Halloween movie. Yeah, I was kind of, that was my pick. And I was kind of just slipping that in there. I think that if we were to judge solely based on uh, fitting the category, this one definitely takes the cake. It fits oh, the yeah. category. Won the Oscar, definitely Halloween through and through. Come on. What's more Halloween than the than Sleepy Hollow? You know, you'd be hard pressed. Yeah, yeah, not much. So, I mean, it's yeah. got jack-o'-lanterns in it. It literally has a jack-o'-lantern <laughs> being yeah. thrown at somebody. So what, what, you can't top that. All right, cool. So, uh, Devin, uh, what's the final GPA for Sleepy Hollow 1999? So this is our four, first um, C-plus in a while. We have not had a C-plus since the first series. Uh, the GPA oh. is 2.52 which puts it just below Troll Hunters and just above Horse Girl and Stranger Than Fiction. So I feel like that's a good hmm. place for it. Fits in well, yeah, De based on our grading. Yeah. I really liked all these movies. <laughs> all the ones you mentioned, I didn't hate any of them, come to think of it. But, yeah, uh, I mean, you're, you're like, your scatter plot of grading, Ben, is, is like trending upward. You, you tend to grade pretty nicely. You enjoy most things. Yeah, I'm a, what can I say? I'm a movie fan. And I, being on the side of the filmmaker, I tend to just dig in on... I, I clearly enjoy these on so many different levels that you guys couldn't possibly fathom, so... <laughs> well, like there, but I mean, in movies, in movies There's like this, for me too, to latch on to. Let me just say that. <laughs> in movies like this, too, right? Like some gaffer like made his paycheck so he could feed his family. You know exactly. So, yeah, I mean, there's always some merit in these movies, you know. Yep. Yeah, I think so. And um, 
the flaws, I, I tend to favor what's working rather than worrying too much about the flaws. If you entertain me, then I'm, I'm pretty happy. Um, so, but as for, I'd like to think that holding my own feet to the fire is something that I do, I overdo. So maybe I like tend to underdo it when judging other people's work, knowing how hard it is to deliver right. stuff. See, I went to college for journalism specifically to be a critic. And so I, I have, I, I tend to, you know, go the other way where I always sure, want to over sure. criticize things and nitpick because that's literally what I was taught to do. Sure. Yeah. And, and we fine. see that. But I, I think it's ironic that you came into the thing <laughs> saying that you're, you know, tend to not do that. But yeah, um, but it's played out in in the opposite direction. So I, I think that's more fun than anything else. But uh, I don't I don't disagree with the, the criticisms that have been levied at any of these. And then they've all made for a good discussion. So, um, yeah. So but I think that where this landed grade wise is probably about right. I think that that's what it mm -hmm. was reflected in. I think the audience score is a little higher, like 80 percent, I think, which is B minus or something. So somewhere in there, we tend to be like right in there, honestly. So I think we represent a pretty, pretty good slice of uh, the movie going public in that sense. Nice. Yeah. So it's all good. Um, well, that wraps up Sleepy Hollow. So our next bit of business is to roll for the next episode. Who's rolling tonight? Uh, Pepe, I believe. Oh, got a D6. I'm going to blast it. Or maybe not, actually. I have a new little setup, so this is actually working. Good. I don't have to blast myself. Um, all right. So, Pepe, you're rolling a D something. I'm not even going to try to guess. Was I, was I just like showing you guys my ass? Was that just a lot of time of my ass right now? <laughs> no. I think so. Okay. I wasn't paying um, attention. Okay. No, but go back and I check don't know. The tape. Yeah, I'll go check the okay, if pause it, if rewind if, it. If it is, just zoom in. Yeah, just zoom. It. Do a slow zoom on it. And yeah. I'll put it in a loop, my friend. Thank you for oh, that. Oh, no. Oh, no. A loop please, in slow please motion. Don't, please don't release my ass to the internet. Uh, let me fix my list here before I give you the sound. I pulled out the I pulled out the hard dice. The hard oh, dice. There you go. So I got to get the easy one that actually has the written numbers on it so I don't fuck it up. Nice. Okay. Okay. So we're yeah. rolling for the Series 5, Episode 3 movie. We have no idea what we're going to be watching. Uh, let's let the dice decide our fate. Are you ready? I'm ready. I know I am. All right. A drum roll, please. It's a one. It's a one. We'll be watching a movie called Black Swan 2010, streaming on Hulu. Excellent. And I don't remember anything. I've already been had chosen, so I'm not making a mistake mentioning this. I don't remember a thing about that movie. So I'll look forward to kind of watching that for a second time. Um, the actress from, <laughs> uh, actually, the actress from Star Wars, uh, Queen Amidala. Queen Amidala, Natalie Portman, yeah. she's in it. Oh, okay. This is the Natalie Portman thing. The, I think she the won actress the from, best uh, actor or something for that, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. The actress from uh, Family Guy is in it, too. Uh, the <laughs> sister, uh, God, what is her name? She's like yeah, with Ashton Kutcher now. Yeah, yeah. Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis, yes, exactly. 
Yeah, I heard she lied about uh, her age to get cast in uh, that 70s show, but I bet there's a bit of a fudge there. I bet they kind of um, knew. Since it wasn't included in there, it did. The Oscar it won was uh, Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role, Natalie Thank Portman. You. Okay, so it was Natalie Portman. Yep. God, I remembered mm-hmm. something. Wow. Good for me. Hang in there, brain. Uh, you're doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, good. We know what we're watching next week. So a little bit of show business. If you write to the show at Ben at redhenmedia.com, we may respond on the show and you may earn yourself a little statue of a, a Who Dundee Award for being the first person to email the show. So if you're out there, and I know you are because we keep getting more and more downloads every week, uh, write us uh write to the show and let us know what, how you think we're doing and um, be nice and uh, you may get a statue out of it. Uh, I'll bribe ben, you to be nice. <laughs> ben does a good job of playing it off, but we're really desperate, guys. Come on, email us. <laughs> no, I'll be excited to actually respond to like, you know, um, you know, an email to us. That would be awesome. We're getting there. Um, our, our downloads are definitely uh, are tracking up. So, uh, which is good. I think a lot of it has to do with you have to be around longer than a few episodes yes. to actually garner yep. uh, some people watching or listening. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, so we're getting there. And uh, it, so it'll come. And um, it's been it's been fun uh, just doing the show for me. So uh, it'll be a Hell nice yeah. surprise when, when someone writes in. So if you're hearing this right now, go ahead and write us. Um, yeah. So we do look forward to that, and I, I have a statue for you. Come get the statue, kids. <laughs> a little uh, sweet in the uh, cauldron there for them to ride in in this Osktoberfest. Uh, all right, well, I think that's about it. Hello? Who could it be? Just one more thing. Believe it or not, it's Columbo saying that we have time for just one more thing, which I need to switch the title over to. There we go. Trying to get better about that. Um, So just one more thing is a segment of the show where each co-host shares a little something from outside of the show that we'd like to talk about in the show. Um, and I think Kat has one. We'll just kick it off with her because I don't want to cut off anyone or make an editing problem. So I'll just launch into that and see what she has to say. Cool. So my just one more thing um, is a Netflix TV series I'm sure you've all already heard about, if not already seen memes on. It's called Squid Games. As my roommates kind of described it as, it's like Hunger Games meets Black Mirror. Um, although it's definitely not for the faint of heart in regards to all the gore it contains. Sorry, Devin. Um, it's definitely like a good book <laughs> you just can't put down. It's fast paced, entertaining as hell. It constantly leaves you on cliffhangers. Um, it's also just beautifully shot. So yeah, check it out. Cool. Squid Games. I keep hearing about this uh, a lot on Reddit and elsewhere. Uh, Squid Games this, Squid mm-hmm. Games that. Um, it's one of those things I've heard so much about that I like I, I've gone past the point of being interested in watching it. It's like, I, right. I, I don't know if it's like the hipster in me, but I'm like, too many people are talking about this. I don't it's ugh. for the pre- <laughs> it's like I do remember the premise is that it's a bunch of people who owe a ton of money and they're put into this game uh, where they have mm-hmm. to fight each other to death. Um, and this is like a 
uh, Japanese, uh, I don't want to say trope. Korean, South Korean. Korean? Yeah, Yeah, Korean. It's it's a movie style I've seen before, I think, out of Japan, where they do like fight to the death. Battle Royale. Yeah. Thank you. Battle Royale being the first one that I knew about from that genre. So, um, which also might have launched the whole Hunger Games thing, which was kind of a similar deal. And Fortnite and yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Fortnite too. Yeah, exactly. The Um, running. The Running Man was uh, it was a movie Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. uh, but the was based on the uh, book by Stephen King, and yeah. what's interesting is the movie was good for its time. I mean, now yeah. we'll now probably look at so much fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. But the, I haven't seen that since like maybe the nineties or something. Yeah, but the book actually uh, Ben Richardson is running across America, and he has to send these little. Um, if I remember right, these little pods in the mail just to show that he's, you know, still around. And that's one of the conditions. But yeah, he's running across America and then they have hunters trying to seek him out and hunt for him. So the book is just as interesting, if not more than the than the movie. But I, I like this whole premise of like Hunger Games type stuff. That stuff is cool. Yeah, I definitely didn't. Also, just to be clear, I don't mean that I did dislike that genre, but um, uh, yeah, it can be very good, and I've heard good things. And again, like what Devin's saying, it's almost like I've I've heard too much about it at this point. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm sure I'll watch it at some point, and then I'll be like, oh, why didn't I watch this sooner? Because I mean, if this many people are like mm-hmm. just going bonkers over this thing, it must be pretty good. I have to yeah. assume. My- my sister and I just started watching it. We've watched three episodes so far. Okay. Um, chime in. And it's been it's been good. The first episode was good. Second episode was a little not not as good, but the third episode it, it was was good. And actually, I think we've watched four of them now. They've been good, except for the second one. <laughs> so how far along are you in the series? I don't know how many episodes there are. Oh, you know, I don't know off the top of my head either. Oh, so. okay. Okay. So probably you're somewhere in the second act if we're going to spread the whole three act thing over the whole series or whatever. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you for that cat. I appreciate that. Um, my just one more thing was hopefully going to be about the giants, but I'm assuming we had to start the show before I saw the end of the game tonight. So I don't know if they won or lost, but they were losing. So they may have to finish the series versus the Dodgers uh, tomorrow night. in yeah, San they Francisco. Lost. Did they lose? Okay. Yeah. I yeah. assume so. They were losing pretty bad. Um, so we'll have game five is the game. last game though, right? There's no game, game five seven. Is the last game. Yeah. Yeah. You okay. just go five games. Well, or best of five, I should say. So yeah, we're gonna we're going to the fifth game. We'll see how they do tomorrow night. Fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, I'll just, uh, it's I'll Thursday just... night though. Isn't it Thursday? Oh, did I say tomorrow night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They they'll take yeah, they have to make sure they're all well rested, which is fair. Um, so they'll bring them up uh let them rest a day and uh hopefully the dodgers all drink themselves into a uh hangover <laughs> all right. before hopefully they go out to pier 39 and do all the touristy crap and get all uh, hammered and uh so they can't play well hopefully um, hopefully they won't dodge all those trolleys and they'll get smacked by one. Oh, oh there you go yeah injure some players that's what we're about here <laughs> yeah right <laughs> good sportsmanship be damned uh yeah so that'll be coming up but i, I guess i'll just restate to go out and watch the center Throw on one episode, throw on even the first 20 minutes and see if you can put it down. That's my dare. So I'll, nice. I'll be checking in to see if anyone takes me up on that. Uh, uh, where's it showing? Weeks. The Sinner, I think, is on Netflix. 
Netflix, um, yeah. Netflix, but, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and they have, I think, all three seasons. I ended up, I when I watched it, I watched season three first, which was fantastic. And then I was like, damn, I got to watch, uh, I got to watch this whole thing. And I went back to season one and I was like, man, I mean, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe how good it was. Very awesome stuff. Mm. Uh, anyway, so that'll be just my one more thing. And hopefully next week I'll have good news, uh, but we'll see. Uh, Devin, what have you got for us this week on just one more thing? So this week I wanted to talk about Back for Blood. I hope I'm not stealing Jim's one more thing because me and him have both been playing this no, video game. I, <laughs> All right, okay, great, okay. good. Uh, yeah, it's a, um, for those who don't know this, the spiritual successor to Left for Dead, Valve's huge uh, first-person zombie shooter okay. that originally launched in 2008. There was a follow-up in 2009, almost exactly a year later, which I didn't realize uh, Left for Dead 1 and 2 were that close. Um, but then after a slew of DLC, the franchise died for yeah. 12 years. Um, it, you know, it goes along with the whole joke that Valve can't make third games in their franchises. No Portal 3, no uh -huh. Half-Life 3, no yeah. Left 4 Dead 3. Um, and now these original devs have gotten fed up and branched off into their own studio and made made the damn thing. Um, just not under that license anymore. Now it's called Back for Blood. Um, still has a four in the title. So it's, you know, it's the same thing, but also still isn't the fourth game in the the franchise which is I, it's fine so i just i'm used to seeing when there's numbers in the title that's you know that's the mm -hmm. movie but anyway that's interesting uh, <laughs> yeah uh but it's it's really fun it's it's uh, it's just the original game but with modern technology allowing there to be more zombies on screen more explosions more mayhem more fun so yeah cool highly recommend it and please give us a vr version at some point and also valve please come out with your version of like uh the quest 2 so so that we can uh, jump ship from Facebook because screw those guys. They, yeah, they're like the only game in town with providing the VR experience at that price point and with the kind of development where they're, you know, basically leaving the other VR guys behind with what they're able to do with their software. So catch up. Yeah. Please. We want uh, out. Speaking of VR and zombies, though, just about to come out in a couple of weeks is the Resident Evil 4 VR game, yes, which is going to be fucking incredible. That is the best Resident Evil game and I think it would be incredible. The only thing that makes it not fun to play now is the controls, which put it in VR. Don't worry about that. So yep. it's going to be great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So looking forward to that. I just saw the trailer for that today uh, on the quest, and I immediately put it on my wish list and cannot wait for it to come out. So and I haven't played it before. I was going to ask you, Devin, if that was. Oh, uh, man. Okay, good. I'm getting an oh man. Cool. <laughs> Cannot wait. I hope you that. I hope you film yourself playing it. Oh, I want to watch you experience that. Mm -hmm. It'd be so good. Yeah, maybe I will. I also <laughs> thought it was an interesting thing that the Valve guys got fed up and branched off and did the did this other game. What is it called again? Back for Blood. Back for Blood, which is the, the spiritual sequel to Left for Dead. So yep. man, maybe the uh Half-Life guys, well, they're not gonna let that one go. Maybe the portal guys will branch off and do a portal three game because god damn. They've, they have some of the best games ever, and they just let them die off. I don't get it. I don't get it. They um, hate money. Yeah, something. I mean, come on, Valve. We're all rooting for you. Right? Get them. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, that 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 valve in the back of that guy's head isn't going to twist itself. That's right. Someone's got to get back there and twist that sucker and get the yeah. uh, the third version of everything out of, out of his mouth. I don't know where it comes out. Hopefully not his nose. Yikes. <sighs> ears maybe <laughs> steam oh yeah steam shooting out of the ears it's got to be that they got to twist that and yeah steam right shoots out isn't that what happens? yeah his his head turns into a steam whistle like a cartoon fox or like a cartoon wolf seeing a pretty woman <laughs> all right i gotta write into them and tell them to do that 
at some point, just even as a gag, because that's too good. To, <laughs> to that's good stuff. So what do you got for us this week, Pepe? Yeah, I'm going to plug um, the Criterion Channel streaming service. Yeah. Um, if you, I, I find it hard to believe that, well, anyway, if you want, if you want to, if you're trying to decide one movie streaming service to have, I would say go with Criterion. Um, I understand the appeal of Netflix. It has show, move TVs and stuff like that. But um, if you really just want to watch movies, I would go with Criterion. Um, yeah, but I bring it up now because they have um, almost all of the uh, Universal Monster movies on Criterion for streaming. And over the past couple of days, uh, I watched... Um, well, I guess technically this isn't one of the Universal Monsters, but I watched The Black Cat, which was great. Mm -hmm. um, I watched The Wolfman, which was okay. It wasn't that good. Um, and I started watching The Mummy today. Um, and it's pretty good so far. I haven't seen any of the old Universal Monster movies, and they are bucking my sort of preconceived notions about what they would be. Hmm. Um, and they've been, for the most part, better than what I imagined. Mummy also, they're good. all like, also they're all like seventy minutes long. So it's yeah, you know. back when they, <laughs> yeah, that was. I think that's still the bare minimum, but nobody does seventy minute uh, features anymore. It's a yeah. lost art. Kind of yeah, um, I liked the mummy, and I watched it on uh, on the Criterion uh, streaming channel. Yeah, I'm gonna finish up the mummy probably tomorrow, and then I'm gonna watch Creature from the Black Lagoon, Invisible Man. Tis the um, for some for some reason, they only have the Spanish language Dracula. They don't have the the huh. or the regular or the English language one, I guess I should say. Um, but I'm gonna watch that also. Um, and they, I feel like they have one other one that I'm for, another one that I'm forgetting. Um, is there another Universal monster that I'm forgetting? Werewolf? I don't know. No, I did the Wolfman. Okay. Creature, creature from the Black Lagoon. Is that one of them? He said yeah, that. I said that yeah. one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I maybe don't know. maybe We're I said forgetting one. Frankenstein. Uh, Frankenstein. Oh, Frankenstein. Duh. Frankenstein was one that they don't. They didn't have Frankenstein for some reason. But yeah, that is one of the Universal monsters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if you're Criterion always does stuff like this when it's the season. I mean, they like I was talking about watching the the neo noirs recently. They just did a mm -hmm. they just did a big thing on new noirs. They're doing a another uh, they're doing the the for Halloween. They're doing the Universal monsters. They do all sorts of things. Um, they have old movies. They have modern movies. Um, I watched I watched Jennifer's Body on there. That was one of the Halloween ones that they did. I watched. Um, another french one called inside which was a real if you're a if you're a, a gore a gore fiend like me that's gonna one that you're gonna want to watch um which was good it was good uh yeah so they got all sorts of cool horror halloween stuff up there now uh if i might if you're gonna watch frankenstein try to get the episode that's hosted by movie host sven Gulli. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he's been around forever and he does these kind of like, not mystery science theater, but like, you know, where the host hosts a movie and in between they do little sketch sketches and talk about. Yeah, like the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so Sven Gulli, uh, his episode of doing the original Frankenstein and the sequel were very good and uh, fun. 
So, and if you haven't checked out Sven Gulli at all, go check him out as well. He's a, he's a fun horror movie host. They have Brighter Frankenstein too. Just talking about Frank, that reminds They have Brighter Frankenstein on Criterion right now too. So I'm going to watch that too. Very cool. Get the cry, yeah. at least for this month, if you want to watch the old universal horror films, that's a great place to watch them. And they have a bunch of other good movies too. I also enjoy the Criterion channel. So yeah, good, good recommendation. All right, Jim, what have you got for us this week on Just One More Thing? Yeah, so my Just One More Thing um, is The Walking Dead. Um, I noticed it. I, I know that in weeks past, I've mentioned several things just as part of the Halloween season, but I'm going to drill down from here on and just name one. But uh, The Walking Dead, it just, uh, I believe they just ended their uh, mid-season kind of cliffhanger. Um, if I remember right, I'm not there yet. I'm on like episode seven, I believe. And, uh, yeah, uh, set in a post-apocalyptic, um, zombies are a thing, but mm -hmm. you know, the meat on the table is actually the human drama. Of course it can get kind of tedious. So, you know, over time, I know some viewership has fallen off. A lot mm -hmm. of it had to do with getting main characters killed in very horrific ways, but that's the very reason why I stayed on. You know, I enjoy that that kind of stuff where you're not sure, you know, how it's all going to go down. And uh, in this season, without getting too spoilery, um, the main nemesis or antagonists are a group of mercenaries. So and they were mercenaries before the apocalypse. So definitely residing in the dark rivers of the heart. But when the world takes a darker turn, so does this group of mercenaries. And it's interesting to me to kind of see the unveiling and un unraveling of who these people really are they're not nice but they are human you know um and some of the relationships they're in so uh yeah season 11 it's going to be the final one but uh walking dead has got a whole universe to explore they're going to continue the series with fear of the walking dead just different stories fear of the walking dead uh the world i the world beyond um which is in season two active right now and then i believe there's going to be a couple of movies coming out so good stuff i love it yeah the, the walking dead is like amc's bread and butter now after breaking bad finished um, yeah never let the walking dead die um but i'm waiting i stopped watching i think like way back in season two because i foresaw that mm -hmm. they were just how many times can you send a group of zombies in and I get that the the people well stated by the way that the people are the meat on the table, um, well said there. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of waiting to see how it lands because I sensed kind of like a like a lost vibe from it where you know they may not know where they're going uh, with it. However, I think that they're probably learned some valuable lessons from that and other shows uh, that didn't know how to land that sucker and. Um, so if they land it well, I'll I'll give it a watch. I'm sure yeah. it's streaming forever, right? Yeah, for sure on different platforms it is already depending on mm -hmm. if you want to catch the latest season, which I do have um, you know, the AMC Plus so I get to see the current season and then the older seasons pick pick your, you know, um Netflix or Hulu or whatever. But I I because a show is never delved into um 
the subject matter of, okay, it's apocalypse. The world has ended. We're trying to survive. But what comes after that? The return yeah. back to yeah. some semblance of community. And that's what they're really toying around with at the same time trying to survive. And uh, that's a much bigger backdrop. And the stakes are bigger. You know, of course, they have to. Uh, what, what do they call that? Um, where your world gets larger and larger, or you have to tell a bigger and bigger and bigger story as seasons roll on. Uh, it's there's a term for it, but I can't remember. Mm, it's escaping me. Um, we'll have to look it up and uh, post it in the chat when we air this. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, it's it, it's interesting. I, I I also eat this stuff up. Apocalypse yeah, and, <laughs> Nice. And uh, whatever they did in the interim, it'll be nice to see how they deal with the final season. And you know, there's going to be big payoffs. So yeah, uh, if you yeah. tapered off on watching, uh, probably now would be a good time to jump back in. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, that is just one more thing. I think I'll miss you most of all. I miss Cat most of all. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that. I miss Cat too. Yeah, she really likes the miss you most of all thing, and she always uh, chuckles when I make a joke there. So I, I kind of miss that. Uh, someone else has to pick up that uh, uh, that thread for her. Kevin. Um, yeah, exactly. Somebody laughed. Yeah, that right. um, so anyway, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So today, speaking of Devin, we'll we'll start with Devin and uh, sign off. I've been Devin Schwartz. I'm at Devin Schwartz one on Twitter and game over, man, game over. That's right. Now that everyone's on the board, it's game over. That's how it works. Hopefully it'll be game over for mm. the Dodgers on Thursday, too. I'll just say that. And, well, uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, James Pepe. Yeah, I've been uh, James Pepe. Thanks for uh, showing up and watching and listening. And uh, hope to see you back uh, next week. Yeah, join us next week for a little Black Swan action. And uh, Jim, Jim Scott, what do you got for us? A little bye-bye? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm Jim Scott. Um, I'll throw my gamer tag on there, especially since Devin mentioned Back for Blood. It's yeah. Wiley, Wiley Wabbit, Wabbit 69. Uh, Wiley is 1L. A lot of people call me Willie online. Um I know I have a problem mispronouncing things, but I'm thinking in my head every single time it's Wiley. Do you know English? You know, Willie is usually right. two L's, but uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, Wiley Web is 69. If you want to play some Back for Blood uh, with me and maybe possibly me and Devin, yeah, look us up, man. It'll yeah, be totally. fun. For sure. I got a. And what platform are you guys playing this game on? Uh, go ahead, David. Uh, I'm on PS5. He's on PS4, but it, it has full cross-play across yep. all platforms. So anything you want to buy it on, you can play with this. All I know is that I saw some gameplay from the Miles Morales Spider-Man thing, and I am now hot on the hunt for a PS5 because I need that. Oh yeah, life. I just beat that like a couple days uh, ago. I finally beat it. It's very good. I have like ten years of Spider-Man games to catch up on, so I'm I, I'm on the hunt. Maybe Devin, you, you really only you really don't need to play the older one. <laughs> There's oh, a lot okay. of bad Spider-Man games out there, but All these, right. well, these the new two one looks incredible. Are great. Yeah, yeah. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, so uh, yeah, the hunt for PS5 is on for me. And on that nice. note, if I can get back to it.
This has been I'll Look at Yours if you look at mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. And remember to watch Black Swan 2010, now streaming on Hulu for next week's show. Until next time, lookers, keep on looking.